the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, the podcast where six random guys from around the British Isles get together to talk about anything and everything Detroit Lions. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick and I'm joined by my co-host this evening, Ryan McCluskey. It is indeed a Wednesday and we are here with the College Football Podcast. Ryan, how are we doing this week? I'm good, thank you, yeah. Someone just wandered in. Oh, he's heard the entrance music. He knows it's his time to shine. Hello to Hank there, the podcast mascot. Um, always great to see him there with us. Um, so, yeah, thank you for joining us at the College Football Podcast this evening. The weather here in England at the minute is absolutely horrendous. There are storms and snow and everything around. So hopefully this all runs nice and technical hitch-free. But if there are, just bear with us while we do uh, get through some of this. The weather is really not playing nice with us here um thanks to all of you who have joined us already seven in the youtube uh, in the youtube comments i've got some more on twitter thank you to everyone jc superstar is in he says good afternoon good afternoon to you sir thank you very much for joining us and thank you to everyone who's in on twitch as well uh david reinfurt 69 is in there thank you to you sir you are a new subscriber with us really do appreciate that we've had quite a few recently actually in the last few days i think we have to thank eric for that one but we've got zero jaeger 17 nkr zykwa if there's a way to pronounce that i will do but i couldn't think of it right away we've got rouge shark 317 pjm yoda 1958 quirky zerky in there as well thank you to every single one of you for subbing with us there and of course Dan is in the chat as well. He gives a big hello to Hank and he says, sorry, it's raining cats and Hanks. <laughs> God, if it was raining cats and Hanks, you'd be seeing them coming through the ceiling at the minute. Uh, he's a small little guy, but I bet he's a, I bet he's not the lightest one in the world either, is he? <laughs> he's all right. He's fattening up slowly. Good. He's getting there. Good, good, good. good. He's, he's becoming the most popular. Hey, Ken Stout is in as well. Sup, guys. Rough Hank. I don't know if he'll bark back to you, but I think he really appreciates that. So, as I say, yeah. thanks ever so much. He's very quiet. He is indeed. Thanks ever so much for joining us here with the College Football Podcast. Today, we're going to be taking a look, a continued look at the Pro Day circuit where the Lions have been, some of the players who've done well at those Pro Days who we might be taking a look at. And then we're going to take a look at the end for some draft sleeper prospects, some of mine and Ryan's favourite guys who are maybe not getting talked about anywhere near as much as they should be. And of course... To all of you on Twitch and YouTube, if you've got questions, you've got comments, get them in the chat. We'll get them on there and we will discuss everything there. Before we do dive in, just one little bit of Lions news this week to uh, to go through. Um, TJ Hawkinson got his fifth year extension, which means we should be seeing him here for at least another two years. I think that's a $9.6 million deal for him, which will see him through till 2024. And then I guess we have to decide whether to extend him or not. I know uh, it's already been said there are talks made there. I, I guess we all saw this one coming. And I mean, for some of these contract values that have been going out for tight ends recently, it's really quite a bargain below 10 million. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think three and more of that as well was for one of his Pro Bowl appearances, where if we extended him for a fifth year, he got an extra like three million. So previous play in the past has warranted that good money there. I think it's a sensible decision because when the time does come, he's going to ask for a lot of money because the tight end market has become very strong. We saw the likes of uh, Hunter Henry. We saw uh, the Patriots last year threw money at two tight ends. So the market is pretty expensive right now. And he's obviously had the injury issues. So people right now are a bit wary about committing to him. If he does show that that breakout year where he does go for a full 15 to 17 games, he does get that set that record for most receiving yards in a year, I think they will do negotiations early. There's talks of him and uh, Armani as the two guys that will get the discussions first. So they both need big years. But like I say, paydays could be coming for both of them in the near future if all goes to plan. Exactly, yeah. It gives the Lions an extra year to decide whether they want to do the long-term deal with him and it gives TJ an extra year to prove that he can stay fit for it. So really, a win-win for both sides. And they say Amani's possibly happening as well, so we'll see what goes on with them. Uh, Restore the Raw is in the YouTube chat. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. We really do appreciate it. It says, Go Lions, one pride. One pride to you there, sir. So we are going to drop down straight into our college bits now so we're going to drop back into the pro day scene we left it off on the 23rd of march last time i think it was by the time we went last wednesday um and we're just going to take a look at where they've been the last week some of the players who've done well and we'll take it from there really so we start in the 23rd last week uh, lines have been very very busy uh, first one of note we had to stop at was yukon and obviously the big standout there, the defensive tackle, Travis Jones. He's got a lot of love on this podcast. He's getting a lot, a lot of love at this moment in time. He stood on all his combine times at his workout, but he did the positional drills. And again, this guy's just a big-ass de defensive tackle who moves like a linebacker. He's in the traditional sort of nose mold, that sort of nose tackle one-tech area. Um... And I think he's really put himself into round one consideration now, just how well he's been doing there, which is a shame, because I was hoping we might be able to take him at 66 and pair him up with a Leem and really, really stuff up the middle of that interior of our defensive line. Um, other guys on the day, um, Ryan Van Der Mark, the offensive tackle. Um, he's put himself into consideration as a day three pick as a swing tackle as well. He ran a 5.18 in his 40-yard dash, which is not bad for an offensive tackle. Did 24 bench press reps. He got a 30.5-inch vertical jump, a 9-foot-4 broad jump, and a 7.39 three-cone in there as well, solidifying a really good day for him and potentially a very intriguing prospect if you're looking for a swing tackle who can cover both ends of your offensive line. And then the other real standout of this day didn't actually come from Yukon, so... Um, this guy's name is Julius Chestnut, and he's a running back from Sacred Heart. So as we've mentioned, some of the smaller schools who can't do pro days, they'll let their athletes go to the bigger ones to be able to show off in front of the NFL staff. This guy is 6'1", 215 pounds. He did two 40-yard runs. They were 447 and 449. They were timed out. He did 22 bench reps, which is not bad for a running back, a 34.5-inch vertical jump a 9 foot 5 broad jump and a 7063 cone time this is another guy who's going to fly under the radar of day 2 and get his stats from uh, his college career he's played 27 games 
She had 502 rushing attempts, 2,925 rushing yards, 26 touchdowns. He has an average of 108.3 yards per game. And he's also a special teamer as well. So, one there. I mean, what did you make of some of these results out of UConn? Obviously, they've been one of the worst teams now in college football for a while. But maybe a few surprises who've snuck out of the gates there. Yeah, I think everyone worked out really well. I think we knew Travis Jones, defensive stalwart, leader of that unit. But say that UConn defence was put on ice for most games this year. They were blown out a few times holding their own there, but I don't think you could ever credit or discourage any effort he gave. He was an absolute menace. He gave nightmare opposing quarterbacks something to think about, even when results didn't go their way. And he tested incredibly as well, like I said. Big guy, but floats like a butterfly, stings like a bee still. He's still got some good agility on that really big frame there. And the sacred heart running back, like, couldn't ask for much more from a big bruiser, 6-1, like I said, the guy... He's built a bit like Paul Scarborough, like I say, and he moves incredibly well. But he's got he's got the stats to build up as well. I'd say like almost three thousand all purpose yards, nearly thirty touchdowns. I think everything he offers, he's got good what was it, two four fives roughly. So he moves well for a big frame in a straight line. So that's the kind of guy that will make him as an undrafted free agent priority. And he could find himself onto a roster really nicely there. So I think he they all worked out really well. And uh, unfortunately, I saw on Tyrell Crosby say on Twitter that he's got no idea when he'll be healthy again to play. So the Lions could be in the market for a swing tackle in those later rounds. If someone like them, Dan Denmark can play both ways, both sides, like it could be someone that you could see in the later round or possible priority UDFA. So uh, I think two of the three could be in play for us at the later rounds. Travis Jones. We might struggle, like I say, if we want to go defensive interior lineman that high, if he even gets it to, if he even makes it to 34, which is an unknown right now. Yeah, I'm kind of devastated with that that he's done. So obviously, I'm really, really happy for him. And given what he's had to go through at college on one of the worst teams in football, it's not easy to stand out. But the fact that he's managed to drag himself into first round contention just shows how damn good a player he is. And maybe it was always wishful thinking that pick 66 he were going to be there. But, you know, it's a shame. And yeah, a, a pro day that maybe didn't promise so much on paper if you looked at the team actually delivered. So Ryan Van Demark, Julius Chestnut, there are two. Names that you need to keep an eye out on for your later round prospects, possibly there. Not on our list, but they have come to our attention for sure. Um, our very own Steve is in the Twitch chat. He goes 29 days to the draft. Let's go, Roar of the Lines UK. Indeed, Steve. It cannot come soon enough at this moment in time. We are really looking forward to it. Um, Restore the Roar asks in the YouTube chat. Uh, with Jacksonville getting Arden Key, do you think the Jags go offensive line now. I mean, that was a shame that they managed to get him there. But I guess this is kind of like the the um, Cam. Oh God, what's the what's the left? Oh God, Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson. That's it. Is it like him where they've got a guy, but they might not have the guy? So will it affect the draft strategy? I'm not. I'm not sure it does. But I'm good. We missed. No, him. I don't think it will. See, I'm going to miss him, but up to seven million. I don't think we ever stood a chance. We just don't have the cap space to offer a compete with a deal like that because we're down to the bones now where we can probably just pay the recruiting rookie class without having to restructure a deal. I don't want to restructure any contract. I don't want to keep the bucket down for anyone 
unless they're a big name free agent like Bobby Wagner or someone like that. For someone who's like a rotational piece for Adam Key, I didn't want to free up any money. But no, he had a nice breakout year last year, but he's a rental. I still think they take Hutchinson. I don't think it changes their draft plan. Yeah, I I, I think I'm still on board with the, they're going to do that. But who knows at this moment in time? I've no idea what we're going to do. Got no idea what they're going to do. It's it, it's a very tough one. Put it this way: I tried to do a mock draft the other day. I got through my first three picks and then I ripped it up. And I'm like, I don't like it. And if I can't get through my first three picks, God knows what's going to happen with the rest of it. Uh, Debt fanman's in the chat. Thank you very much for joining. As always, he goes sup Hank. Oh right, well okay, well me and Ryan are here as well, so. You know, if you want to say hi to us, that's great. But, yeah, Hank getting all the love, bless him. Oh, dear, but absolutely, absolutely deserves it. So, yeah, that was the UConn Pro Day on the same day. Oh, one of our favourite guys here and another guy who caused such a stir. So, we're going down to South Dakota State. Now, two big ones on show here. I'll go, uh, I'll go with the guy who made a lot of news first. So, that's the safety, Michael Griffin. Um, he's six foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds. The undoubted star of the show of the day. He broke the vertical jump, and what I mean by that is he jumped so high that he jumped higher than the vertical jump like measuring stick was measuring. He basically just out jumped it, and they couldn't measure how high his jump was because, you know, he'd he'd gone past all the measuring components, so they had to lengthen the pole and ask him to do it again and when he did he jumped a 43 and a half inch vertical jump which is absolutely insane if you watch it it looks like he's flying that is how impressive it was and then if that wasn't uh, enough for him that day he also went and ran a sub 450 in the 40 yard dash as well a lot of scouts went away talking about him that day and then the other guy from South Dakota State, the one you might know, the one who strapped a rocket pack to his back and then blasted himself and his draft stock into space. He's gone that high. Pierre Strong Jr., the running back, um, he sat on his combine times in his 40s. He ran a 4.37 on the 40. He did 16 reps on the bench, which is good. He did a 38-inch vertical leap. But in his drills, he looked so impressive. The burst was impressive, the agility in the running back drills that he did, his hands in the receiving drills. I mean, out of everyone in the postseason, like guys like Christian Watson, that this guy has come out of nowhere and is now, and according to Matt Miller, who's one of my favourite draft scouts out there, he says he's a top five running back in this draft now, and you wouldn't have called that two months ago, but so he has to go to state providing some uh, headline moments on their day. Yeah. Uh, with respect to the running back class, it's not the best. Actually, I don't really like the class, but I was singing the praises the last two years. He's a proper workhorse back. I'd say Pierre Strong Jr. He's an every-down guy. He runs well. He's got that good pad level at like 5'10", 5'11". He, uh, he receives out the backfield really well. Him and the Yankee brothers, who were the receivers, were the main offence to channel through them. So he's been a key part of their playoff runs in the last few years. And another offensive athletic, or another defensive athletic freak in the safety there. That's having to extend the uh, the vertical jump just for him to get a read in and then to blow that. I'm not going to read too much into that, even I really want to. Like I say, I know he was a good defensive key starter for a couple of years, but we made that, people made that mistake of Obi Melifonro, so I'm not going to get two. But he could be someone that probably creeps into later rounds, but I agree. 
on, I'd say, his top five, top six back is Pierre Strong Jr. I don't think people are giving him enough credit, I'd say, because some of the guys have let themselves down, especially at the pro days. Some of them looked really poor, whereas he looked really good and the drills were nice and smooth, nice and agile. So did himself the world of good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ken says in the YouTube chat, is that a first? I'm assuming he's referring to out-jumping the, the vertical stick, and I can't think of it happening many times if it's happened before, so probably. So they might extend it a little bit further in future. But I just think 43.5 inches is insane to be able to just jump from a standard start. Must have knees made of absolute steel in there. Um, Quirky Zerky says in the Twitch chat, uh, going back to Arden Key, he plays inside, so Hutch is still in play. That is true. I figured him more of the three-tech as well rather than a big edge. And Dan says the Jags have so much cap space. Yes, they do. They're going to steal a lot of people we like this year just because of the amount of money they're probably going to be able to offer. So that's um, everything for South Dakota State. Anyhow, Lions were also at Ohio State that day. And, I mean, Christ, they just the array of talent they had... There you've got Haskell Garrett, the defensive tackle, Antoine Jackson, Demario McCall, Tyre Munford, the offensive guard, Chris Olave, the wide receiver, Petit Frere, the defensive tackle, I think he is, Tyreek Smith, Master Teague, the third, the running back, Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver, Chris Booker. I mean, there were about 120-odd guys at this pro day, which just shows how much talent was there. One guy who didn't perform was Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end. He was seen in a medical boot, and he didn't do anything, which is a shame for him because he probably needed to be able to do so. I can't remember where he got his foot injury from. I think it was the senior ball, but it's not healed, whatever it is. Uh, Chris Olave and um, Garrett, they just did drills. They sat on all their times from the combine the actual standout of this day and you won't have heard much about him is the running back master teague the third so obviously with the uh, appearance of um, trayvon Hendrickson, is it trayvon hendrickson i'm getting the name wrong on now henderson yeah. trayvon henderson, yeah, the, henderson uh, yeah. the, the freshman running back sensation at ohio state everyone sort of forgot about master teague a bit he's 511 221 pounds but he had himself a pro day and a half he ran 444 in the 40-yard dash. He did 27 reps on the bench press, which is more than double what some other running backs do. He did a 10-foot, 11-inch broad jump. Um, both those records were actually better than any running back at the Combine. He's uh, given himself a real good shot maybe on day three now there. Rai, what did you see from Ohio State? Who, who surprised you? Anything stand out to you there? Yeah. I want much surprise. I didn't expect Wilson or Alave to really do anything. I think Jeremy Ruckett now is in absolute no man's land. I didn't like him before the draft because he's not a weapon. Ohio State never used him properly. I don't think he's that athletic or that good a receiver. Solid blocker. For me, he's he's below average. So the fact he can't work out me now, he's probably a day three guy. I think he'll plummet. Like I say, unfortunately for him, he really needed to do something because I hadn't seen enough from him. Uh, Master Teague, incredibly athletic, really well, but for me, the production's never been there. Like When I've watched him play, I've not been that impressed by him. So I think he's going to be one of those... He's going to go fairly late in the draft, I think. Like I say, he's going to be a... Could be a 5-6 kind of guy. But I think with before the workout, some people probably didn't even have him on their boards at all to even get drafted. So I think he's probably sneaking in now to just get picked up. It's a shame that he basically got forced out of OSU really quickly like, with uh, Travion coming in. But no, it was 
it was good. There's a lot of guys there that we either one probably don't have a sniff at, or two they're at a position where I'm not that interested. So it was an impressive day all around for most of them that worked out, but no one I really paid huge attention to because I'm not going to get my hopes up that we're going to be able to get half of them. Yeah, I think you know the one I see most frequently mocks Taylor Mumford because he's a later round guy and people want to guard really badly for some reason so well I suppose we do need a bit of depth but hey ho yeah nothing that we didn't really expect I guess like say Rooker he's in a bit of bother there um Ken Stadder in the chat he goes have you guys looked much at EJ Perry the quarterback from Brown is he worth the seventh round pick I have interest in Jack Cohn from North uh, from Notre Dame is that spot but he seems to be moving up it's funny you should mention EJ Perry Ken um tune in to us next week we're doing our quarterback prospect reviews i've got ej perry i'm doing the research on him i've been big on him for a little while now um he's been really impressing in the off season and i think he's i think he's probably worth higher than a seventh round pick quite frankly i've got him i've got akil glass and caleb ellaby they're all very good development projects for me i think this year and that's where i want the Lions to go if they're going to draft a quarterback so you know join us next week you'll hear a lot more about ej perry but yes definitely definitely interested in him there so moving on from the 23rd oh god it was a busy day so usc was the next one we were spotted out obviously the big the big draw there is drake london the wide receiver unfortunately he is still recovering from injury so he did not participate at all in that day i believe he has his own personal pro day lined up on april the 4th when he plans to work out um in front of scouts there and show them that the injury is in the past so in absence there are a few other guys who got calls to the combine so followed them so what happened so the running back Keontae Ingram um, he's six foot two twenty pounds he did 23 bench reps did a 33 inch vertical jump a 719 three cone and a 444 20 yard dash the edge Drake Jackson he measured in 6'3 273 pounds he's bulked himself up a bit he just did a little bit of what he didn't do at the combine so he did the three cone he did that in 709 and he did his 20 yard shuttle in 428 and then the cornerback Isaac Taylor Stewart he is 6'2 200 pounds did 15 reps on the bench did a 40 yard dash in 443 jumped to 36 and a half vertical a 10 foot 3 broad jump and a 681 3 cone um i like how drake jackson has bulked up a bit he seems to be uh one of the forgotten men at the minute of this edge class because there's so many around but i thought he looked pretty damn good in the end and i think overall usc had a pretty decent day when it came to their guys yeah, they all worked out pretty well. Like you say, uh, Isaac, the cornerback, he's, he's got tools. There's tools there to work with. He's big. He's straight, fairly strong. 15 reps is okay. But the four, he were pretty good. The cones, like you say, he, he looked pretty good all around. Jackson, see, he's heavy, but he's kind of short. I don't know if he's an edge. I feel like someone's going to scoot him inside to like interior defensive linemen. Because like you say, he's, he's a stocky block. Like you say, he's, 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 he's a bit... Heavy, like I say, he's put the weight on. So we'll see. The The speed looks like it's carried through, but I want to see him, obviously, play at that weight. So he's one of those guys that I agree has forgotten. He's probably skidded a bit. I, it's impossible to say where he's going to go now with the likes of Maffey and that have probably superseded him now. So he's, 
he's on the decline a little bit. But they all worked out really well. Running back, fairly good build. Uh, decent agility. The hands are all right. So, yeah, like I said, everyone... Well, everyone knew Drake London wasn't working out. Like I say, he's got his own private workout. I think he's going to do it with someone else. I can't remember if it's at USC or it's another school. I know it's at this beginning of April. But everyone will be there, I expect. You'll see half the league go to watch him. He's the standout, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he's doing it in LA somewhere. So, um, is it LA? I think that's where I saw he was doing it. But yeah, it's definitely, is, the, yeah. fourth, definitely the 4th of April. So, it's one to watch out for after the uh, Pro Day circuit has died down. Um, we're a few more that day. So, we were at UTSA's Pro Day. Obviously, that's Tariq Woolen, the cornerback, Sincere McCormack, the running back, and the uh, offensive tackle, Spencer Burford. They all did as well as they could most of them sat on their times from the combines but again performed really well and you know for the first and last one at least I pretty much liked them and we were at Virginia as well and well I suppose talking about guys who skyrocketed themselves in this offseason Jelani Woods the tight end um, so back at the combine I don't know if you remember we mentioned he did the most bench reps of any tight end there and he did the second fastest 40 of all tight ends. I think he was only behind the Maryland guy, Okonkwu, if I remember rightly. Um, so at his pro day, he did the rest. He did a vertical jump, which was 37 and a half inches. That's one and a half inches more than any tight end at the combine. His broad jump was 10 foot nine, which again, bested all tight ends at the combine. He did a 678 three cone, bested everybody at the combine in terms of tight ends and a 420-20 short shuffle. Also, the best of any tight end. Um, he's he's really had a great off season, and he looks so damn good in his pro day, didn't he? See, I'm, I'm conflicted because I know from watching Virginia, the production has never really been there. He's never been asked to do all that much. Like I say, if you're drafting him, you're drafting him off the pure raw athleticism. The six foot seven, two hundred and fifty five pound frame, which for anyone is very intriguing. Like I say, he makes the prime red zone candidate. Like I say, he's fast in a straight line when he comes out the release. The root tree isn't there, but it can be expanded. But he's proven that he is very athletically gifted and he's got soft hands when he needs to be. He just needs a lot of coaching. Like I say, I think he'll start slow. I still think he'll be taking middle to late rounds because obviously they He's not done all that much numbers-wise, but he could be a real project for someone that's willing to put the time and effort into him because he's shown that he could probably do things at the next level if he's given the opportunity to and the snaps. But I'd say whoever gets him, you're going to have to keep your measure in check year one too. I'd say I think he'll be a rotational piece, but there's nothing to say that he can't use everything he's got to one day be a touchdown machine, like say a big basketballer. I feel like Antonio Gates maybe. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that one fully there. Um, I think, again, yeah, I'm with you. He's got to take a little bit of time to develop, but once he gets going, God, he could really be an asset for somebody. Um, there was a second standout at the Virginia Pro Day. However, we are going to chat about him later, so I'll leave that in the bank there uh, to be able to talk about when we get to him. Um, rounding out the Pro Days on the 23rd, the Lions were at. They were one of 17 teams who went to Utah State. Now, if you've heard us talk about them this year, probably not very much, but the main guy there, Devin Tompkins, the wide receiver, 
five foot six and 167 pounds so the thing that's always been against him is his size and his weight however he ran a sub 450 in the 40 yard dash he got 38 and a half inch vertical jump an 11 foot broad jump a 698 three cone and a 418 in his short shuttle so he performed really well and Hopefully someone might give him a chance even despite the size concerns there. A couple of the other guys who showed out. The defensive end, Nick Henninger, uh, he weighed in 6'2", 229 pounds. He did 30 bench reps, a 36-inch vertical jump, a 9'11 broad jump, a 7'18 three-cone, and a 4'43 short shuttle, which is pretty good. And then the defensive tackle, Marcus Moore, maybe had the most impressive day of all. Uh, he's 6'2". 281 pounds he did 32 bench reps he ran sub 475 in the 40 which is quite good for a defensive tackle 34.5 inch vertical jump a 9 foot 10 broad jump a 743 three cone and a 453 short shuttle his bench 40 and vertical jump times would have been the best of all defensive tackles at the combine that's how well he did um Utah State's more development territory for guys here. But again, guys have stood up and done what they can do. They've done as well as they can. They've put up good numbers and it's uh, up to the up to the teams now to take a punt on them. Yeah, Utah State, uh, the Aggies, they had a good year. Like I said, they weren't they were a good side this year. Logan Bonner, their quarterback, he loved Devin Tempkins. He was Devin Tempkins finished, I think, as one of the top ten receivers in the entire nation. And eleven feet jump. At five foot six, that is crazy. You get guys that are well over six foot and that are still not heavy, that still can't jump over ten feet. So the explosiveness in his lower body, I think, is ridiculous. And I've got a sleeper that's basically got the exact same build. So I don't judge anyone up height or size because if you look at the likes of uh, Trend and Holiday, like look at these smaller guys, Tyree Kill, I'd say he might be five nine, five ten, but he's small. I'd say. Uh, Trent Taylor, a receiver that's quite small stature. Like there's a place in the league for really small dudes. Like say if they can burn and if they've got Chris Root running and if they can be a good returner, which I think he will excel at at the next level. I think he could be a dynamic special teams weapon as well. So all three guys there are really good developmental pieces and I think they will all be picked up by someone. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I say there's not more they can do than come out and just really impress at these pro days. They have done, and hopefully it's given them a good chance to hear their name there. I hope Devon Tonkins get a chance. Like you say, he's had such a wonderful year, and he seems to have been able to negate his size and strength so far and make a career for himself. So hopefully he gets a shot in the NFL. Um, the last of the 23rd of March pro days we went to was Temple. We were one of 12 teams to go. The main guy there. A safety called Amir Tyler. He ran a 4-6 in his 40-yard dash, which he said was very slow for him. Uh, did a really good vertical jump of 38 inches, though. Had a broad jump of 10 foot 1. And he bench-pressed 16 times. So a decent day for him. But I don't know if we were there to look at him or somebody else. But I don't know. But we were one of only 12 teams there, so they saw somebody that they liked. Um, moving on to the 24th. Um, another loaded day, so the headline of the day was Cincinnati, the Bearcats obviously nearly had that undefeated 
run last season before getting beaten in the semi-finals. They did really well to get there, though. They got a lot of talent going this year. So you've got Desmond Ritter, the quarterback. You've got Alex Pierce, the wide receiver. Sauce, Gardner, the cornerback. Kobe Bryant, the cornerback. The defensive end, Mai Sanders. Brian Cook, the safety. The running back, Jerome Ford. The linebacker, Darian Beavers. I mean, a lot of talent there that's going to go in the NFL draft. Gardner. Of course he did. He sat on his combine scores. He did not participate in any of those whatsoever. He has nothing left to prove. Desmond Ridder impressed the scouts with his range of throws. He looked pretty crisp on that day in fairness. Probably one of the better quarterback pro days out of all these. But the one who really stood out, maybe the name who's not mentioned least out of these, the linebacker Darian Beavers. So he went 467 and is 40. A little slow, but uh, outside of that, he did pretty well. He had a 6.93 three cone, a 4.17 short shuttle, vertical jumped 39 inches, and did a 10 foot three broad jump as well. Um, obviously, Ahmed was going to do nothing because he's a top five, maybe top six pick in this draft. Anyone else who caught your attention out of the guys at Cincy? The players I'm most interested in are Alec Pierce. He had a fantastic combine. He has gone under the radar for a lot of the year, but he's a big six foot three, good body. Uh, Kobe Bryant as well, and Brian Cook, the other two defensive backs, because Thor's Gardner's cornerback number one. He's going in probably top six or seven, so he doesn't interest me because he's just not on the radar. But the other two defensive backs, I feel like they are definitely where we could be picking a cornerback depth or safety. And they've both done pretty well, like I say. So I think there's more defensive options that are out there. Ridder, see, I just don't like him. Like, he's a good quarterback, but I just don't want him on the Lions. I just, I'm just not interested. Like, I don't see anything he does fantastically well. But so I know people want him as a, like I say, but I'm feeling like the Lions are not taking a quarterback now. Like I say, we're already shopping calls for the round two pick, so you can rule out Malik Willis. He will not be a lion. So I think once we trade that pick, and they seem preset on Goff, they brought back those two jokers as well. So uh, it looks like our quarterback room is pretty much set again for next year. So it's the defensive guys now, like Pierce for me. Like I say, I think Pierce, if you've got Pierce in the third round, I'd be very happy. If he's at 66 and we haven't taken a receiver yet, I'd run to that podium. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that one there. I think uh, I think we'd be lucky to get him at that point. I do quite like the look of Darian Beavers as well. I was watching him there. I think if we're going a bit later on a linebacker, then he's a name who should be put in that category as well. So uh, we'll see what goes on with him. Um, continuing 24th. Uh, Memphis, obviously, we were at Memphis. We did work with this guy in the Senior Bowl. Obviously, we're talking about Calvin Austin, the third. Um, the only thing he had to do, which he didn't do at the Combine, was his bench. He bench-repped 11 times, um, which is not too bad for a guy his size there. He sat on everything else, just did his drills, but once again, just looked so damn good when he was in his drills. He's just so quick. His hands are so good. It doesn't drop anything, and he just... He's such an enticing prospect, but then I feel like, do we need that sort of receiver in the room as well? We possibly do, but where do we pick him? I don't know. He's very conflicting. Um, you've got the offensive lineman Dylan Parham as well. He only had to do the bench as well after the combine. He did 25 reps, but so you'd expect the offensive lineman to do a lot more than the wide receiver. He just did drills again, sat on his other times. And the guy who probably did uh, most for his stock by doing all of the... Uh, 
all of the events on the day was the running back Jacoby Francis. He ran a 4.48 in his 40-yard dash and he really impressed in his drills afterwards, especially when it came to his receiving out the backfield quality there. Um, I mean, Memphis got two studs there, two people, two teams going to get some really good players, Parham and Austin, and did themselves no harm this day either. No, they've done all the work that they needed to do. Like I say, 11 reps. If I was Calvin Austin, I wouldn't even have bothered with the bench. 11 reps is might as well. It's the same as probably not doing it. He ain't a blocker. We know he ain't a blocker. And for me, he's a great player, but his size, don't want to go anywhere near him. I just don't want that style of receiver because we have got 10 a penny of short guys because we've got a lot of average to short dudes. And like I say, I want someone big. So unless he slides, I'm not going to touch him. But Parnham, if he's in the middle rounds, if he does slide a little bit, like I say, I might, I might give him a consideration if we trade back, get an extra pick. Like I say, I'm all for getting offensive line depth in the draft. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree with that. But like I say, it would probably be a trade back scenario at this moment in time. But they both did what they needed to, and you know they both had solid off seasons, solid college careers. Hopefully, they get drafted, drafted well. Um, moving on and. One guy who I know you do want to touch, as in draft him, not just like touch him, that'd be weird. Um, North Dakota State, their pro day was this day. Christian Watson, the wide receiver who was on everybody's lips at this moment in time. He had a few things to fill out from his wonderful combine performance. So he did 18 reps on the bench. He did a short shuttle of 4.19 and he did a three cone 6.96, which are all pretty decent and show his uh, short term agility, short string agility there. Um, the other main guy at uh, North Dakota State, Cordell Volson, the offensive lineman. He had a good day, did a 32-inch vertical jump, a 464 short shuttle, a 765 three-cone. All of those were improvements from the combine. He redid everything, so you know that was a fair play to him coming up and, uh, and doing them again and improving on them. He bet on himself there, and he won. And also the defensive end, Braden Thomas. He had a 32-inch vertical jump, a 9-foot-3 broad jump, a 440 short shuttle, a 693 cone, and he bench rep 25 times. The guys at North Dakota State, again, another group who really showed up for their pro day. And Christian Watson, it's just a matter of how high is someone going to draft him now? Yeah, I knew he'd do pretty well on the bench rep because he's a good blocker. Like I say, he's got a big wiry frame, but there's a bit of muscle on on those chip arms, like I say, it's, even though he's a built, it looks a bit like a French fry. There's a there's, there's some muscle on him, so he's pretty strong. I think you're looking at like the Chiefs. I think somewhere like 29th there. I think someone is going to take him very early. And uh, the offensive lineman, Dakota in general, like North Dakota's after get the whole combined two states. Really good offensive lineman. Like I say, Matt Wolechko as well from North Dakota. Like I say, just the whole state, I'd take them in alignment really late on as a as a developmental draft piece because they've, they've all done really well and they've all worked out really well. So they're definitely programs that just produce good players, play good football and produce good players as well. Yeah, agreed. They've had a great year. They've dominated in the FCS for a while. And uh, yeah, like Trey Lance, someone's going to be getting a really good prospect out of North Dakota State this year. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see how high it goes. What? You've you've watched him a lot, obviously in the past. How high do you reckon he can go? 
I mean, what, what what's the earliest you can see him going now? Because he was a round three guy a few months ago. I think from like 27 onwards, I think he's suddenly in play. Yeah, I feel like when the, the, the Chiefs are around, the Packers are around with that second pick, I think he's definitely in play on the board there. Um, just quickly before we carry on with that, Quirky Zerky asks us in Twitch, if you had to pick one offensive player in rounds one to three, who would it be? Ooh. You had to nail your mask to one offensive player in the top three. Who would it be? Uh, <laughs> I think I'll take Trey McBride. Trey McBride at the end of the second. Because oh, he, well, we'll have to talk about his workout. But yeah, he, he consolidated himself. He is tight end one and there's no one near him. No, agreed, agreed. Oh, damn it. You've just picked mine there. Because I'd, I'd probably and he'll, go... He'll make the decision. He'll make the decision about TJ Hawkinson easier as well. If we take McBride and he does what I know he can do, like I say, it does not mean that we are committed to keeping TJ later in the future. Like I say, we don't have to pay him then. Suddenly that does make the decision, gives a bit more leeway. But no, I think he is going to be a fantastic weapon. And he's going to be an instant starter as well. See, I've been mocking defensive players now for so long that I've, I've kind of just not thought about doing offensive players at this moment in time. I think it'd have to be a receiver. Would, well, would it be a receiver outside of a tight end? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I generally don't. I'll go Trey McBride with you then. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take the easy option. I just want defensive guys early on, so I'm not really not really put too much focus on the offense too early. So, yeah, that's Trey McBride from us both there. Quirky Zerky. Uh, David Reinfeldt goes, oh, no. I hope everything's all right. Streams seem to be holding up. Just let us know if the streams are messing up at all. The uh, weather is a bit funny around here, but don't seem to have any problems elsewhere. Um, JC Superstar, what was the question, McBride? Uh, the question was if we had to take an offensive player in the first three rounds, who would it be? And we'd take him in the second because he's a really damn good tight end. He's a very good blocker. He's a very good mess match when you put him on smaller linebackers. I think he'd be a, a great addition to us. He'd be the blocking tight end behind TJ. And plus you've got a secret weapon there to throw out as well. So I think it would work really well for us. Anyhow, moving on to the uh, the rest of the pro days for the 24th. Now, uh, the first interesting little nugget comes along. So Oklahoma State. So, obviously, there's a few guys um, there that we've gone to have a look at. And one in particular, I'll just go through some of the the main performers first. So, their linebacker, Malcolm Rodriguez, he had himself a really good day. He's 5'11", 236 pounds. He's a big guy, but he made waves when he uh, did 36 bench reps. Read somewhere, that's the most by a linebacker for a long, 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 long time. This guy is really beefy, really strong. He did a 10-foot broad jump as well. So he's not just all muscle, he has got a lot of athleticism behind him as well. The safety, Colby Harvey Peel, we mentioned him at the start of the season on our college podcast. We had him 
and his companion Trey Sterling on our safeties to watch list. So Harvey Peel, he's 5'11", 213 pounds. He ran a 4.54.40. He had a 37.5 inch vertical jump. He had a 9'11 broad jump. Trey Sterling, as I mentioned, the other safety, he's 5'11", 205 pounds. Exactly the same height, just a little lighter. He ran a 4.69 in the 40. He ran a 36.5 inch vertical jump. A 9'6 broad jump. 14 bench presses but the one who's really intriguing so the wide receiver tay martin now he's 6'1 he's 184 pounds he had a 457 time in the 40 he had a 36 inch vertical jump and a nine foot nine broad jump now this guy is predicted day three somewhere some haven't even got him been drafted however the detroit lions assigned him a top 30 visit so you get so many visits that you can allocate for players to come and work out with you. But you don't get many. And if they're not locals, they count against the number that you're using. So to give one away is... There's some interest there. And this one surprised me. I don't know about you, Ryan. But I, I wouldn't have thought they'd have spent a top 30 visit on Tay Martin. It's, can you see anything there? What the intrigue is? Nope. Don't like it. Out of all the guys, I out of all the guys you've just said, he's the least guy of the last offering a visitor. Like I said, Trey Styling, to be fair, he just had a serious injury, didn't he? Yeah. Didn't he miss the whole season? Yeah. So, so yeah. Harvell Peel did pretty well. Yeah. Malcolm Rodriguez, I've known for a few years. He is a thumper. He's a captain. He's been a leader on his defense for years. Tackle machine. He hits like a hits like a tank. Like I say, he is a proper do it all box safety not the best in coverage but absolute tackle machine is rock solid but no Tim I don't like it I don't I don't know what they're seeing him but he's a real late round option for me he is not someone I'd be using a designated visit on for someone that I think is going to go a lot later in the draft yeah yeah there's one that did was I was a bit confused with because you know we seem to have been spending a lot of our interviews and picks on late around guys. We seem to be really going hard at those who aren't been focused so much on, apart from Bernard Raymond, who's got all the hype behind him. So there must be something there, and I don't know what it is, but you know we just trust the process. Maybe they're looking for priority undrafted free agents already, and they're going to bring him in, give him a go. It's um. Yeah, it's an odd one. Anyhow, uh, Ken Gozi take Drake London at 32. Going back to the original question that we were talking about, yeah, I think most of us would, but I don't know whether he gets there or not. It's barring a really bad pro day where he shows signs of injury and whatnot, I don't think anything's going to put him down that far, but we'll see. Um, he also goes, I agree, it's edge, safety, linebacker, cornerback, first few picks in any order. Probably agree with that. Maybe throw backup DT in there as well, possibly. JC's really against a tight end, so I can see that, I can see. But if there's a great blocking guy and there's good value for him, I think you've got to uh, got to have a go up there. And he also mentions, he says, line up a UDFA for Tay Martin for after the draft. That could well be the possibility. We Brad Holmes really looked into his UDFAs last year. He could be doing the same again. Dan McGuinness is in the chat. He says, how are we doing, fellas? Hello, Dan. Thank you for joining us, as always. We do really appreciate you being here with us. And Hank, Hank Woofs as well. He, well, he might do eventually, but yeah. Hank says hello as well. I get the UDFA, but I don't don't waste a visit on a UDFA for me. It don't make sense. Like you're supposed to meet, meet guys that are going to be instant day one starters or using high draft catalog. 
I'm not bothered about them designating these limited meetings on a guy that you could literally phone after the draft. Like you say, it's not a priority that you have to meet them. Like you say, Bernard Raymond, that's another one that confused me because I don't think we're going to draft him. I think I'm, I find his meetings odd. I, someone they're not going to take, someone that we don't even need to consider taking until the draft's maybe over. Interesting, but is what it is. I, I would be confused if we took an offensive tackle first three picks, and he's going before 34, really, realistically. I'll be really upset. I'll be really upset if we waste an offensive tackle pick before 34. So, if we took an offensive tackle at two, I would absolutely lose my mind. I'd probably turn it off. I'd have a padding and start watching. <laughs> oh, I never want to keep on the fence. Are oh, you really with that one there? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, David goes, the stream is fine now. Stop for a moment. Oh, apologize about that. Um, we having adverse weather over here at the minute. There are storms, snow and everything, so it might just uh, knock us down a little bit from time to time, but hopefully uh, hopefully you're still with us there, and we do appreciate you being with us. Um, Dan's got a few comments in there. He always just said it was a bit wonky, but it's come back. Yeah, again, sorry, this snow, this thunder, this lightning, there's everything here at the minute, so uh, apologies about that. He also goes, I'd like to sandwich a sandwich of offense a sandwich of offense with pick two and 97 defensive filling of 32 34 66 I know exactly who he wants to take at two as well that's a fun one we're gonna have such fun with that one next week when we start talking about quarterbacks um he also says what do you think of kingsley and egbare obviously the edge from south carolina 32 or 34 um oh, i don't know I, li I, li I like kingsley but at 32 or 34, I'm taking Boy Mafe, Arnold Ebikiti. I'm taking them before him. Although I still do like him. I don't know about you, though. I'm, I'm taking a linebacker before I take him. Like I say, I'm designating 32 or 34, ideally for a backer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I like the player. I really like the player. He's been in a, a bad team in a tough division for a while, and he's had to do a lot of it on his own, and he's got a lot of uh, productions, so... Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll see there with him. Uh, Ken goes, snow in March, go figure. Well, you know, snow in this country used to come in December, January, even November some of the time. We don't get our snow till February or March now. So, yeah, go figure. The months are changing. You don't get any snow in December here anymore. Uh, JC says, with coaching the senior ball, they may have seen players and are just looking at players they have not talked to. I mean, I guess that's a fact. They got access, priority access to a lot of players at the senior ball, so maybe a lot of these guys who they would have used visits on, um, they don't need to, because they have seen them up close and they're just expanding outwards. That's, that's an interesting theory. Never, never thought about that like that. Let me just check there's nothing else before we go on. Uh, yeah, Steve's with you, Ryan. He says, I'm rioting if we take an offensive tackle. Well, if you could both riot but stay on the, the draft stream with me, otherwise it'll just be me sat there on my own talking for hours about how everyone's upset about us taking a tackle. And I wouldn't want to do that, you know. I just I, I need some friends. I really need some friends. Um, moving it on. So we're talking about Oklahoma State there. So moving on to SMU. Obviously the wide receiver factory. Uh, Danny Gray, he sat on all his combine times, as did the tight end 
Grant Calcaterra. They both had decent combines. They only chose to do the drills. Reggie Roberson did a little bit, um, but again, he was only filling in bits he didn't do with the combine. 13 bench reps, a 31.5-inch vertical jump, and a 442 in the 40, which is pretty fast for him. Um, I guess not really much more to say about these guys. We, we know roughly where they're going. I think we know what they're made of. Um, was there anything else you saw at the Pro Day that... Change your opinion on some of them, or was that just par the par for the SMU guys now? No, they're speed merchants. For me, they don't offer much else. Like I say, they're not super athletic. They're not that big. They rely on speed. And Grant Galcaterra, he can do what he wants. But unfortunately, I will never see past the uh, the retirement, the red flags, the concussions, and touching the guy. Yeah, he's yeah. Jordan Reed 2.0. He's one concussion, and he will leave within a season and have to retire. Yeah, it is really a shame for him, but I, I kind of figure that too. It's going to be it's going to be difficult if he lands a big hit for him to come back from it, which is really, really a shame. Um, but yeah, I know Eric was very high on Danny Gray the other day. I was surprised about that when we were talking with Eric, but he really likes him. And we had them both at the Senior Bowl, so we can maybe see one coming our way in the late rounds, depending on what we do with a receiver. But yeah, not much they did at their Pro Day that we didn't already know about. Um, the next Pro Day, uh, second to last one on the 24th, it was a really big one. Penn State, they have a lot of talent going in the draft this year. The Lions sent safeties coach Brian Duker to uh, run the rule over some of the guys there. And obviously the first one that comes to mind when you think of Penn State and safeties is Jaquan Brisker. Um, he didn't do too much at this day. He ran a 440 in the 40-yard dash, which was really damn impressive. And he jumped a 38.5-inch vertical jump, which was four inches better than what he did at the combine. Every inch matters. So uh, he, uh, he did himself no harm there. Arnold Ebikiti just mentioned him, the edge. Um, he looked really good. He was looking and moving like a linebacker. Um, he's got a lot of athleticism about him, despite having a pretty good build as well. He measured in at six point uh, six foot two, two hundred and forty seven pounds. He vertical jumped thirty eight inches and ran a four sixty four forty. Um, Although the interesting tidbit that came out, he's been scouted as an edge and a linebacker. So there may be a move from edge to outside linebacker in his future. Uh, Jahan Dotson didn't really do much. He just did the bench, which he didn't do at the combine. He did 15 reps. And Brandon Smith, the linebacker, he did 20 reps on the bench. He did a 408 20-yard shuttle and a 694 in the three cone in terms of the ones who most stood out there. But I mean... You've got a lot of other guys. You've got Tariq Castro-Field you had in there. You, you, you've got a lot of defensive talent. Jesse Lucata, the other linebacker. Um, anyone stand out for you, really, with that? When I think of Penn State, I only want one guy, and that is Brisker. Like I said, Kyle Hamilton is the better safety, but Brisker will work better with Tracer, I think. He is a much better fit for our scheme of playing the box, where we play two or three and we rotate two high safeties. I think I would prefer Brisker and Walker than Hamilton and Walker because I'm not sure stylistically that they will be the best pairing together, even if I think Kyle is the better safety. And I don't mind Brandon Smith, but I'm going to want to see probably rounds three onwards before him. I don't want to reach for a guy like him. Chan Dotson, 
like I've already said about him, not a wide receiver one in the NFL. There's only just one on a bad offensive scheme with an average quarterback, but don't think his game will transition to the NFL. In big enough, I don't think he'll be an X. So I think say, there's there's two guys there that I want. I'm glad we sent the safety scout. That tells me we're seriously looking at him. If we get him at 34, I will be very, very happy. Is there a possibility they maybe trade up a few spots if he's still there? Get him? Maybe throw in a seventh for somebody? Just to just to have, uh, a, have a little bit of a fiddle with it? or No, just take him at 32. I'd, I'd rather, if he's there, like I say, I'd rather take him there than, than trade up. But no, I think I think we've got a real shot in. Like yeah. I say, I think him, I think Sain might just go before him at the end of the first. So if we're opening the second round, is there, like I say, I think he'll be someone that will fit the scheme. Well, well, if the Georgia hype train is going to put Sain in front of Brisker, I've got nothing, I've got nothing uh, against that. If it drops him down to us, that could be a, a quite fun one there for us. Uh, Steve says, hashtag Brisker at 32. Either your two are agreeing a lot or you've hacked his Twitch account. So, uh, But yeah, he's, he's on board there with you. Um, <laughs> David goes, I love how brutal Ryan is in his player evaluations. Well, yeah, yeah, he is. I, I try with a little bit of tact. Ryan will just tell you straight up. He's, there's no fence sitting there from Ryan. I think you need a little bit of... A little bit of both when it comes to doing this. But yeah, he will tell you exactly how he feels about a guy. If he doesn't like him, he will straight up just tell you that. So yeah. Um, and Steve says, tough love all the way. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and then finishing off. So that's all with Penn State. Finishing off on that day, Utah. Obviously, the main attraction there, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker. However, he didn't do anything at all. He just sat on all his combine results. He didn't even do any of the uh, positional drills. He just went there to support his teammates. Don't really blame him. He's going high enough in the draft. There's probably not a lot he could have done to move his stock up even further. But saying that, there are still a few other guys on show. You had Nephi Sewell, the linebacker, obviously brother of our offensive tackle we drafted last year. Uh, he had a pretty solid day altogether, although he did drop a couple of passes in his positional drills. Uh, they were a couple of bad ones as well, so it just shows you how raw he is, and there's a lot of development to be done there if you're drafting him. But it was a bit of a better day for TJ Pledger, the running back, and Tom's favourite offensive tackle bomb, Olesini. They were both said to have very good days. Um, a lot of the official measurements haven't been given out, but I watched a little bit of both their tapes, and they did really well there. So, obviously, Devin Lloyd was going to do nothing, but behind that, a couple of the guys did themselves some good. I'm still not really sure about Nephi, though. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested. I want Noah next year. I want the other Saw brother, the better Saw brother. Move no disrespect to Nephi. But, yeah, I'll... Uh, Britton Covey as well, like you say, he looked all right. I think, I don't know, he's going to be a special team gadget guy next year. Like I say, if we're gonna if we're gonna look at him, he's going to be a late round guy. Like I say, he, even though he offers that that kind of gadget, every bit of doing everything. But no, like I say, Bam, Bam's going to be a late round guy. Like I say, so if we're interested in some depth or someone that you could possibly try development, so I'd be all right throwing a pick his way. If you have an extra six for a seven, for even if he drops out offensive, don't get drafted. Give him a call or bring him in. Pledger, look pretty good, but not in the market for a back. Don't want to draft a running back this year. That'll also be a thing that upsets me. 
because I can see us doing it. I'm preparing myself to get annoyed that we'll probably end up getting it back. Even if I'm not sold on Swift, I don't want it back this year. But no, yeah, there's some guys there. I'm surprised Devin didn't redo the 40. He could have improved on the 40 from the combine, couldn't he? Yeah. Wasn't it in the 4.6s or something? I guess, but I, I guess, you know, you only risk injury. Still, I'm surprised that... he didn't have a go at it, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the only thing you risk there, though, is injury. I guess like a point one second extra. It might bump you up a spot or two, but when you're the undisputed number one inside linebacker in a draft, I, I don't know. I, th- I think your position on... I think your positional skill set will do the rest for you, so I don't know. Not not hundred percent sure, but yeah, the rest. If if Bama if Bam Olicini gets drafted by the Lions, you will hear our own Tom Wilkinson cheering across the Atlantic. He will literally do a lap of the British Isles if he gets picked. So, you know, that'd be a fun one to look out for if we did. Um JC in the chat goes, still snow in Canada, some freezing rain just to met. I assume there's a lot of snow in Canada a lot of the year round. I've Never been. I really, really want to go and see Canada. I'm really jealous that you get to see all that each and every single day. Um, so yeah, that rules out the 24th. Oh, that that finishes the 24th. So move on to the 25th of March for Pro Day's first stop, Boston College, offensive lineman factory. So you've got Zion Johnson, the offensive guard, Alec Lindstrom, the centre. They both sat on their combine numbers and just just did drills. The only other prospect you've got, they may get drafted for me is the linebacker Isaiah Graham Mobley. He increased his vertical by two inches to 36 and a half from what he did at the combine, but he dropped two inches on his ver- on his broad jump of 10 foot two. So gain a couple of inches, lose a couple of inches. Um, apart from that, no official results have been released and you can't see much, but these are the three main guys anyhow. Um, any interest in Graham Mobley or, you know, because obviously Zion's going too high for a guard. We don't need a centre. He'd probably be the only one we'd be seriously considering. Yeah, Zion and uh, Alex, they're top two, three at their position, so I don't think we'll... There's too much for my blood for them that we've gone too soon. Gray Mobler, I'd say, is a developmental linebacker, I'd say, but do we have a lot of those already? I feel like we kind of do have a lot of projects already at backup. We kind of need someone more established, so... For me, there's not much interest, like I say. Maybe next year, like I say, I'll be more interested in BC next year when who comes out. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, Steve in the chat goes, Watson, Brisker are the value picks at 32, 34. Wouldn't disagree with you there. I'd actually pretty much like that if we got it that way around. Quirky Zerky goes, Canada gets a lot of snow, but mostly up north. Southern Park gets about three months worth. You know, yeah, I'd, I'd like that. I'd like a few months worth of snow. I love snow and we don't get anywhere near enough here and when it does come down, it's just a pain in the arse because we're not equipped to deal with it. <laughs> and Ryan just so happens to live in one of the highest villages in his local area, don't you, Ryan? So it's a bit of a pain there when the yeah. snow comes down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we just, we just... Yeah, when it comes down here, a lot. Of, I feel it more than a lot of people being up in West Yorkshire, one of the highest places above sea level in England, let's say up here, so we can get it. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Um, right, anyhow, moving on with Pro Day. Pro Day chatter. Uh, oh, great, the next one. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame. Nothing nothing controversial happened at this one whatsoever. Shall we just shall we just skip this one, Ryan? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. yeah, 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 we can just skip this one. In fact, we can do some of the other guys. So, Jack Cohn, the quarterback, he had a good day. He th- 
completed 51 of 57 passes. Two of them were dropped, four of them were errant throws, so overall that's not bad. Kyron Williams had himself a better day. He was disappointing at the combine. He ran a 4.65 there, but he improved to a 4.54 at his pro day. He also excelled in drills, specifically his receiving skills out the backfield. So um, those two bounced back pretty well. I have never liked Jack Cohen. He's one of those journeymen. He feels old and he's super unathletic. Like I say, he, he is like a brittle tin man when I watch him on offensive line. He gets sacked a lot and some of them are his. So I ain't touching him. Like I say, Notre Dame used three quarterbacks this year. He could barely keep his starting job half the time. They kept rotating him in and out for me, which says a lot about what they thought about him. Karen Williams, I agree, combined, he stunk. He did himself the world of harm, but he improved on things there. So in a bad running back class, I think he's probably going to go in the middle rounds. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's nice to talk about someone else at Notre Dame because I'm getting, I'm getting bored of talking about Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I am as well. And I'm not talking about that running time. I'm just not, you know, check his game tape. He doesn't need to run in a straight line to be effective in a game. But hey, ho, let's talk about other players. It's another one, the wide receiver there. Let's talk about him. He's just been mentioned in the comments. Kevin Austin, the uh, the wide receiver. Not going to lie, didn't really notice a great deal of him last year, but I don't suppose we watched um, uh, Notre Dame that much. But um, I don't think he did a great deal at his pro day yesterday. Obviously, he ran a 4.43 at the combine. Didn't really need to improve on that. His vertical leap was 39 inches as well. Everything else he did was really pretty good yeah pretty decent day all told and you know i don't i didn't see much of his positional drill work have you got much to much to add about him i don't know who he is ah, like there I said, I, i've watched notre dame last year and well we all know from college bad last year didn't like notre dame they were lucky yeah. many weeks yeah i did not enjoy watching them all, all last year it was painful at times yeah, yeah, agreed. Sorry, JC, can't add much more about him there. I do apologise. Chrome's in the chat. He says, what up? What up to you, Chrome? Thank you for joining us. As always, let me just check in the Twitch. Steve goes, uh, a brittle tin man. Why don't you tell us what you really think and stop pulling your punches? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No punches pulled here. Steve also goes, there's no snow here in sunny Scotland. That There's two lies there. There's always snow in Scotland and it's never sunny. Come on, Steve. You don't expect us to believe that one really there, do you? No, not at all. Anyhow, moving on. BYU, we were there. Not a great deal. Tyler Eligier, the running back, he had a not the best of days. He sat on his 4-6 that he ran at the combine. That's not quick anyhow. Maybe a bit of a surprise that he chose to not redo it again. And he didn't look the greatest in drills either. With a lot of some running backs really boosting their stock here. He's uh, He didn't have the best of days there. And then the wide receiver, Samson Nakua. He ran a 4.48.40. He, uh, he's 6'4 and 202 pounds. So that's a pretty decent speed for a guy that size. He did 16 bench press reps. He did a 32-inch vertical jump. And a 10 foot one broad jump he's probably uh, in the later bracket when it comes to wide receivers but did himself no harm in there but Tyler Tyler struggled didn't he there Ryan 
Yeah, it's a good thing Tyler's play was really good all year because he looked bad testing. He, he, he was very sloppy. A huge mistake to sit on a 4-6 as a, on his fighter. That is going to come back to bite him in the ass, unfortunately. He should have rerun that fighter. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's not to take anything away from his season. I watched BYU. He had a really good season. Looks like that kind of bell cow running back that you can get a lot with in there, but probably could have done with showing a little bit more in the off season as well and some of the athletic departments there but yeah. no doubt we there uh, had a if little anyone wants to go on if anyone wants to see how fast tyler leisure is find the clip of where he chases down arizona state linebacker merlin robertson on a picked up fumble he's at the end zone he climbs on his back and punches the ball out he chases him 60 yards and beats everyone to him and that cost my team the win like i said but i was so impressed that he is elite. Like I said, the speed is ridiculous. But yeah, it was a phenomenal player. It shows you just how fast he is. Yeah, if you want to see how annoyed Ryan was with that, try and find the college pod the week that we talked about that. He was not impressed and very impressed at the same time, and it was something to behold. To behold. But yeah, Tyler, he's going to get drafted by someone. I reckon he's going to do all right, but he could have done a little bit better for this. And Samson Nakua... Probably a late round day three, maybe undrafted free agent guy, but done himself no no harm whatsoever in his pro day. Moving on, Missouri was next, and Missouri have some very interesting prospects there. So you've obviously got the cornerback, Caleb Evans. He did 17 bench reps, ran a 7.07.3 cone and a 4.09 short shuttle. The running back, Tyler Bardi, he's fresh off a 1,600-yard rushing season. He benched 14 reps, did a 7.07.3 cone and a 4.28 short shuttle. And then we've given out an honourable mention to uh, Culver Stockton, offensive tackle Andrew Rupkic. So obviously smaller schools go to some of these events. Culver Stockton went to this one. He, this guy Andrew Rupkic, he worked out there. He's 6'6", 322 pounds. He jumped a 31 inch vertical, 25 bench reps, did a 793 three cone and a 490 shuttle, which for a guy his size is pretty decent. And part of this honorable mention also goes out to the fact that he gave us a like on Twitter this week for mentoring in him. So, you know, automatically good vibes from that one there. But, you know, Missouri have some very tempting prospects in this draft and, and they performed well. Caleb Evans reminds me of Ify Melitongwell. I'm sure they're both 6'3". They're both well over 200 pounds. They've both got super long arms and big big hands. Like I say, he's in proper outside corner. He's got more experience, I think, than Ify as well. So I think he's going to be someone that really tantalizes a team to really think they can mold him to maybe be a, a solid starter at the next level. So I think he's someone certainly to watch. I think he, he could do well. Uh, Tyler Goodson, yeah. Missouri last season, their passing offense under Connor Bezlak was pitiful. So they had to rely on a strong ground game. And they certainly got that out of the back. Like I said, Tyler had a really good year as a proper his proper first year as a bell cow workhorse and he got tons of touches and he was incredibly productive and he worked out well. I think he could offer a good change of pace or as a running back to at the next level. Like I say, he could be fine somewhere that'll scheme him into an offense really well. And let's say an offensive tackle that got to work out a big pro day. I've never heard of the school. I don't even know what state it's in, if it's in the state of Missouri, but no, good to see him work out and 
Missouri could do pretty well out of these. Like I said, they were not very good last year in general, but I think they, they could produce some decent players this year. Oh yeah, I agree. I think Loki, they've got some really good prospects. There were about four or five other guys who worked out as well, but you know, these are the two main ones and really stood out. Um, yeah, I don't know where Culver Stockton is either, so that that was a new one to me. All I knew was when this guy first liked one of our posts, I'm like, what the hell? We've, we've had a player like one. Like, where the hell is this from? But yeah, it was him. So, you know, he had a really good day. So, props to you, good sir. Hope hope the draft goes well for you. Um, oh, Ryan, you'll be pleased to know in the Twitch chat, we have a BYU fan in there. <laughs> Quirky Zerky goes from a BYU boy. My apologies for that there. I don't think you need to apologize. That was a, a great game to watch that one. And he goes no, he like, does. Oh, he does. All right, well. Ryan accepts your apology for your running back chasing down his defensive back 60 yards and costing them a game. Um, he also says, I do want Aligier if he falls into the late third or fourth. I mean, he, yeah, I, I, ooh, maybe. We're not in the fourth, though, are we? We'd need to trade back for that. But possibly, I think if we do take a running back, even though Ryan doesn't want to take one, it's got to be a day three guy. So I don't think he's a day three guy. I think that's a disservice. To him there, but yeah, the apology has been accepted there for that one. We got a wide, eclectic mix of people in here now. BYU fans, everything. It's cool. I love to see it. Um, so that was Missouri. Uh, the last one of that day was TCU. I didn't really know much from that one. Don't know if you've got out to add about TCU's pro day at all, but I, I didn't find much. No. no, they're not sending many of these people this year. They had a bad year. On and off the field, things did not go well for the Horn Frogs last year. They lost some big-time recruits. A lot of players entered the portal. I, I don't know if Trevis Hodges Tomlinson, I don't remember if he's draft eligible or not. He's the only guy. I, I, mentioned, I, I mentioned him right at the start of the season and the players to watch as a cornerback. He did okay. I, can't, I don't know if he worked out or not. Yeah. Um, no, I couldn't find much there at all, really. And yeah, I could only it took me ages to find out we were there at all. But some schools have still haven't released their results, so not much to say. Uh, moving on to the 28th, obviously the weekend goes by. This is Monday, so we're near the end now. Um, Florida was the first step there, and obviously they have a few big prospects in the draft this year. None more so than cornerback Kaya Elam. He crushed his pro day. Uh, he sat on his 40 time from the combine, which was 4.39. It was probably a good job because I put the 40 times up from that day in our Discord chat and everyone promptly laughed at how slow they were. They were some absolutely atrocious 40 times out there. So many people ran over five seconds. It was unreal. I don't know whether it was an uphill one, but they did something that their prospects did not like. But outside of that, Care Elam, Care Elam he had a 37.5-inch vertical and a 4.21 short shuttle. He was filling in his times from the combine. They're both pretty damn good results for him. And then outside of that, the guy who shined most really was one of their running backs, Malik Davis. He had a 39 and a half inch vertical jump. That is huge. 10 foot 7 broad jump. He's one of those guys who's been hampered by injuries throughout college, so you might not have seen much of him. But he's back at full health. He's in good shape, and he's given teams a little bit to think about there. I mean... Yeah, Kerry Elam did really well, but outside of that, I, I don't know what they did at the Florida Pro Day, but especially those forty times, something was uh, something was in the water that put them off. Yeah, because didn't Andre Carter do like a five ten or something? It, it, I think it was somewhere like that. It yeah, was bad. Yeah. For him, he's an undersized player now. He he has got loads of sacks. He was he had a fantastic. He had a really good year, but 
what he showed to me is that he is a defensive tackle and not an edge. I said he was not fast. He's not that athletic. I needed to see him work better to prove to me that he can play more on the outside and get up to the quarterback. Now he's going to be pigeoned in that hole that he's going to play interior defensive line where he probably thought it could be an edge at next level. But yeah, it was a lot of guys that ran over five seconds. It was it's like the Texas A&M, like I said, they must be yeah. running on the same kind of grass or something. They probably should rip those fields up because there's something wrong with them because it makes them run really slow. I'm pretty sure one of them ran over five and a half seconds as well. I mean, for, for like for me, that would be fucking amazing. I'd be in the best shape of my life doing that. But for a for an NFL hopeful, that's that's really damn slow. <laughs> but yeah, something went on there. I don't know what. But yeah, Kyrie Lamb, he's gonna, he's really gonna. He's probably maybe cornerback two, three in this draft. He's gonna get drafted high. Some team's gonna get a real good player there with him. Um, next pro day, don't have to go very far. Um, we were also represented at Florida A&M. Now, if any of the recent, if any of the listeners out there have been listening to our recent podcasts, we have tried to cover the HBCU scene as much as we can with the little information we get out of it. We've done the Legacy Bowl, the HBCU Combine. We've done some little bits on the players there. And Florida and A&M is one of those schools. They've not had a player drafted since 1998, the year after Titanic came out, which that seems further and a day ago. But that is about to change. They have a few good prospects coming out of there this year, most noticeably the safety. Marquise Bell, he's been mocked as high as rounds three or four. You've got the defensive lineman, Savion Williams, and then you've got the two times All-American offensive guard, who I'm going to talk about later, so I'm not going to mention his name at this moment in time. I'll not, uh, I'll not give that away, but these guys all have legitimate shots at getting drafted, and it's good to see that we're sort of getting involved in this HBCU scene there, because as we've seen, there's, there's a lot of talent to be found in these schools. You've just got to look hard enough, and the Lions are doing so, and Marquise the other day while doing his drills... He looks really good. He's going to make a really good safety in this league, and I think this buzz about him going third, fourth round is is warranted. Yeah, he's big. He's like six foot three. He's like two ten, two fifteen. He is a big, physical, imposing dude. But he is super athletic. He flips his hips really nicely. He looks really fluid. He turns and stops really nicely. Like I said, he is going to be maybe their highest ever draft pick. I don't know who went in 98, but if he goes at the late third, early fourth, if we get a fourth round pick, if we trade someone, I would take him in the fourth round. I think in a free safety package route, I think you could make him a starter. And I, I think so like Arbor present would absolutely love a kid to work with like that because he will be so hard working. He will be really easy to mold in what you want him to be. And if we want to play two free high safeties, in a two scheme and just give him a field half each him and walker i think those two could do really well he'd learn really well off tracer so i would love to try deal some with being get a fourth round pick because i think they could do really well there and like i said there's there's a lot going on there savion williams very solid stand-up outside linebacker plays on the edge pretty good like say gets after the quarterback tackles for loss racks them up good finisher so they're going to have at least one player drafted, so they're going to have the best year for decades. Yeah, agreed. And it's good to see the talent come from here. And, and the Lions have been one of the teams who have been more interested in this. And I reckon we're going to see a pick, at least one, maybe from this scene, maybe from Florida A&M. 
maybe from Alabama A&M, we don't know, but you know, I'd be on board with getting Marquise Bell as well, if we could get the right pick for him, I think if you're going to double dip at safety, you're going to bring him in as this, the third guy, and potentially you've got a steal on your hands there, and get them whilst we've got the secondary coaches in to really, really get them going, so yeah, very interesting to see us there, and we'll, uh, we're going to hear about another guy from there later as well, so you've not heard the last of Florida and A&M just yet. Uh, Lions were also at Idaho. I was only just able to find this out about half an hour ago because I found some nondescript page in the middle of nowhere that had the list down. I've not had a chance to look at the results there yet but again, sort of day three-ish talent there. And meant to have a pretty decent quarterback who is potentially being talked about as an undrafted free agent. I cannot remember his name. I might do more on that one next week. Um, another big one we were at, UNC. Uh, obviously the quarterback Sam Howell uh, the quarterback talk is never going to go away this year and he's going to be sat there possibly at the end of the first round might be a target for us you don't know but all I do know is the Lions sent big dog Chris Spielman along to this one to check on some of the talent there Sam Howell himself he completed 37 of 40 passes on show there were no drops showcasing the accuracy that he used on the day a few other noticeable performances the linebacker jeremiah gemmel or gemmel i said gemmel impressed uh, he was put through his paces he didn't just get tested at linebacker though he got tested with the defensive back so they were testing his coverage ability as well as ability to stop the run which was interesting and obviously Chris Spielman is a former great linebacker for us there. There could have been a good possibility. We were keeping an eye on him. Uh, Ty Chandler, the running back, he also impressed in drills. He had a really strong end to the season and uh, he's doing his stock no end of good as well. And then, you know, because hashtag special teams need love, we've got to mention them as well. Grayson Atkins, the kicker, uh, he sent his stock to the moon in terms of where kickers go. He nailed all but two of his kicks and his final three kicks before walking off. Two 55-yarders and a 60-yarder. He nailed them all and then walked off, presumably incredibly happy with himself there. Um, interesting we sent Spielman to this one and potentially a few guys he's there looking at. Yeah, because I, I saw a lot of UNC this year. I saw a lot of Jeremiah as well. Big 44 in their defense. One of the leaders, one of the guys that didn't take snaps off. He did have a serious injury which did cost him the end of his year. I remember watching him on the sideline, and he was a huge miss. That defence was never the same without him. Like I said, they were really poor down the back end of the year. They were shipping points and yards because he wasn't there. So we must be a serious than looking out to send Chris Spielman because, like I said, he is built. He's cut from the same cloth, I feel like. Big trucking midfielder. Hits hard. He's loud. He's vocal. He's a leader. So I think... Gemmel will probably go pretty late on, but if we're looking for depth or we're looking for someone to pick up maybe an extra pick, like say, I'm fine by that. Howell, I love Sam Howell. If we take an edge and a safety and 34 comes around and he's still there, will the temptation be too much to nab him? I, I don't see Brad Holmes or Dan Campbell doing it. I don't know if I could pass on him. I feel like they could pass on him. But I think he could be a bona fide starter in two, three years. So I think if we did pass him and someone else takes him, it could be something we live to regret down the line. But yeah, he did it. He had a great year. And he had a fantastic year brushing the ball as well. He looked really athletic at times this year. 
He had like 800 plus rushing yards and touchdowns, which I did not expect. So, like I said, it was a good workout from everyone all around. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I wouldn't be able to let... If I knew I was getting two bona fide talents at positions of need with 32 and 2, and he's still there at 34, I don't think I'd be able to pass. I just, I again, I really love him as well. I think he's another Matthew Stafford. I think he plays tough. He is tough. He's got the arm. He's got the accuracy. There's just little issues you need to work out, but taking him there, it's it goes completely against everything, I'd say, in terms of building this team and not getting the quarterback yet, but it's just personal preference. I, I and, and coming into this season, I didn't even like him. I just hated the overreaction from that Virginia Tech game, and then the more I watched, the more I liked him, and I got went that way, so... Yeah, it's it, it's a it's it's a tough one with him, but I I struggle to pass him there as well. So if he drops and the hypothetical happens, I don't know how I feel. I'd be all over the place there, maybe. Um, do where did we finish off? So finishing off the 28th, which was yesterday, we went to oh one of your Pac-12 rivals, Washington State. Um, obviously not the greatest team this year, but they've got a few guys who we uh, may show interest in. One in particular who's been garnering a lot of interest lately, the cornerback Jalen Watson. So he ran a 4.48 in his 40. He did a 38-inch vertical and an 11-foot broad jump. He had an incredible day, and I know he's been getting more chatter as the weeks have gone by, and this just further enhanced that. The running back Max Borgie, he managed a 4.51 in his 40. He managed a 33.5 vertical jump and a 10-foot 3 broad jump and now they made sound you know middle of the road type thing but he's only just recovered from an ankle injury and they say he's not fully recovered yet so to still be able to put those numbers with an ankle that's barely healed suggests there's maybe even more in the tank there from him so who knows what could go on with him and then the standout guy the one who's probably going to go first the offensive tackle Abraham Lucas um, he sat on most of his times. He did a sub five second 40 at the combine, which is good for an offensive tackle. He had a 29 inch vertical jump and a nine foot five broad jump on there as well, which was pretty decent across the board. Um, again, Washington State, one of those teams that not jumping off the screen as a great team last year, but individually there's some interesting players coming into this draft and they've done well. Washington State would have been a lot better last year if Max Borgie had been able to play. If you go back to 2018-19, he was really good. Now, I know it's a cheap comparison because he's white to say he's like CMC 2.0, but he does have Christian McCaffrey traits about him. He is a phenomenal dual athlete. If you look what he does as a receiving weapon, he can get receptions, he can score touchdowns, he makes guys miss. A little bit undersized, but I think Max Borgie is going to be one of the draft steals when you get him back to health, I will. Put, you can record that saying he will be one of the best players taken at his position because he will go really low and he'll have a big impact on an offense. Abraham Lucas, I think he's going to be really good. He is a big, athletic, bruising tackle. He has got a huge like six, seven frame, really good base. I wish we needed an offensive lineman early because he would be someone I would look to go to in the earlier rounds, but Unfortunately, we don't, but I think someone is going to be pretty happy when they take him because Washington State did pride themselves on an offensive line. I say. Not a lot right when they're last year because we know about all the, the political and the scandals, but they produced some good players and there is some talent there. Yeah, 
didn't help they had such coaching issues last year, did it, with all the uh, vax statuses and everything. All the, It was them where the coaches all got fired for the vax work, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, that 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 wouldn't have helped that team at all. And they say there's some potentially very talented guys on there, and it's good to see. And like you say with Max Borgie, there you go. There's a name for a running back. You want a sleeper? You've got one already, and we've not even reached the section in question yet. He is certainly one to keep an eye out on. And those are really good times considering the length of the injuries just coming off. So don't sleep on that. Um, that fan man got tickled by your, your CMC thing. <laughs> the cheap comparison, but he's kind of like CMC. That one tickled him there. Um, right, that was everything for the 28th. And last day, yesterday, 29th, because I've not had a chance to go through today's. We'll do that next week. Um, it, was a, it was a fairly big day yesterday, and we went to most of these. So the first one, uh, a team that we never, never don't hear about in our Slack chat all the time because biggest FSU fan in the world is there. Florida State. We went there. Jermaine Johnson, the star edge, possibly top 10 pick if uh, some of the chatter is to be believed. He sat on his combine results. Why wouldn't you? They were pretty damn good. He just did drills and again, looked pretty damn good in there as well. Uh, just Sean Corbin, the running back. We've mentioned him very briefly some time ago. I can't remember why. I think it was just to do with FSU. Uh, he had a 34-inch vertical jump, a 9-foot-10 broad jump, a 4-3 short shuttle and ran a 690 in the three cone. Impressed in receiving drills. Possibly put himself into day two contention. And then day three contention guy, defensive lineman Kia Thomas, benched 19 times, 28 and a half inch vertical, 9 foot broad jump, 494 he ran in the 40. So, decent day across the board for Florida State prospects, although there aren't many of them. No, we... We have to be nice, don't we, now? No, Jermaine Johnson didn't... Jermaine Johnson didn't need to do anything. He has basically already locked up. He will be a top 25 draft pick. He will be long gone before we pick again at 32. So, unfortunately, Ash, your dreams, unless we trade back or trade up, your dreams of seeing your star player as a lion, I think... They're not going to be. They're not going to happen, unfortunately. I don't think we're going to be in that ballpark, even though I would really like him, because he knows I was impressed by him last year. But the other two, yeah, they were good. Like I say, it's it's not the deepest poll for them this year. Like I say, maybe next year. I think they've got a good cornerback, haven't they? I, he always, what's his name? He always talks about him. But I've, I've forgotten. I think. I think there'll be a bet a crop next year. I don't know if it's Jordan Travis, so but no. He's just going to spam the name in Slack now because of that. <laughs> For a team that didn't do well this year, they're going to produce a top 20, 25 draft pick. That, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. When Norvell leaves, like I say, Florida State are going to get better. Like I say, they've had some down years. I don't think they'll be under Norvell, but no, I think they're back on the track that they need to be. And they stole some good recruits as well. Yeah, I mean, they've not had a winning season since 2017, so it's been a while. And they say, tell some oh, yeah. guys like him out there. You didn't have to say that, did you? I've already said it to him, so it doesn't really matter. I have to get my time in there somewhere. You know, he, you know all this stuff he's going to make me eat if I don't say something nice about Jordan Travis. You know, he's going to get some grief over it. Um, Joey Two Times has joined us in the chat. He says, what up, Doe? What up, Doe, to you, good sir? Thank you very much. Good to see you, as always. Um, where were we? Pro Days, 29th of March. Uh, Purdue. 
Uh, right, well, you know what, I'm just going to... I had this rant on Monday and I'm going to have it again in a minute. But first off, George Karlaftis, the edge, I love him. Everybody knows I love him. He ran a 4.71 and bearing in mind the guys that this were running outside in the cold, it does affect the timing, you can run quicker indoors. It was an unofficial 4.71, but even Adam Schefter tweeted it out as a big thing, so... Someone's uh, some agents probably involved in a bit of skullduggery there, trying to get some more attention to his client. Uh, he did a C six seventy eight in the three cone as well. That's also pretty good. That's all he did athletic wise. Just did the drills after that again. Another who's going top fifteen probably doesn't really need to prove a whole lot more. Uh, fullback did pretty well, but we're going to talk about him later, so I'll leave him there. David Bell, the wide receiver, so he had a poor combine in terms of his straight line speed ran a 4.6 a lot of people went down on him because of that had a chance to um, improve on it here but again they were running outside ran a 4.7 in the end and I've seen some of the worst overreactions in the world to this guy people going oh he's a day 3 pick he's a day 3 pick he's terrible he's awful are you kidding me really if not go back and watch our wide receiver chat the other day from the combine. This is a guy who has, has consistently been a winner, whether it's individually been a winner or as a teammate been a winner. He gets better year on year on year. He put down a lot of great corners in the Big Ten this year. Just because he can't run 4-5 in a 40 doesn't mean he's a day three pick. He's a very solid high day two pick and if you're going to let him fall that far, I'm going to snatch him right out your grasp. I will bring him to the Lions myself. He is going to be a great receiver and he does not deserve all this rubbish that he gets. Um, now that I've said that, Ryan, what did you think about the Purdue Pro Day? All I'll say is, I like Bell. He shouldn't have run another four. He should have just sat on the four six. He has opened a bigger can of worms by trying it again, unfortunately, which is not his fault. He should have just sat on it, but he'll probably look at it now and regret trying it again, but you just have to watch the tape. He's not athletic. He's not fast. He never has been, and he doesn't claim to be. He isn't someone that says, oh, well, I'm faster than that. I should have done better. Like I say, he's someone that knows he likes to be a, te a technician. He's a Chris Brute runner. He beats people by running routes better than them, breaking better than them, making cleaner cuts, double moves. He's never going to be a straight-line burner. But he doesn't pretend to be, and he doesn't tell anyone that he is. So I think... When he's picked up in the third round, I think people are probably going to pretty much be quickly going back on their words and saying, oh, well, we're wrong, because he's going to be a good, solid wide receiver too at the next level. I think he's going to be a very nice complimentary piece to someone. Exactly. If he's there at 66, I am like trying to prevent myself from running up and drafting him myself, let alone day three. You pick him up on day three, then you've got the biggest steal of all time. And I genuinely mean that. That That's just how bad some of these comparisons for him are. And I just do not like it one bit. Um, I don't know whether this was asked before or after I started ranting about Kyle. But Dan goes, apart from Kyle, what combine score pro day has affected draft position mightily for which players? I mean, can, can you think of a guy who's lost a lot of money because of his pro day? Or I guess lack of one? I mean, if you if you asked before then I'll say David Bell because people seem to think he's dropping. Not that I believe that is justified or warranted in the slightest. I mean, in terms of others who've oh, got a bad... Jake Ferguson. 
I know Ash yeah. loves him and I really like him, but yep. he worked out really bad. Yeah. He the tight ends, some of the tight ends did really badly. Yeah, I fully agree with that one, Jake. Folks. Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely didn't do himself any favours, I don't think either. The average the workout apparently uh, was pretty average at best. Yeah, Coastal was meant to be a few bad ones of Coastal. But yeah, I agree. Jake Ferguson and Isaiah Lightly have possibly hindered themselves here. They say the, the Titan class is not considered to be amazing. Probably not a lot, up, not high up on a lot of teams' boards. So yeah, there you guys, Dan. Probably the tight ends who've uh, struggled a bit more with this. If I think of any more, I'll get back to you. I swear there's one in the back of my head that's getting to me. But yeah, a few guys have not done themselves any good at all. Um, right, so Purdue passed... Um, why have I put Washington State twice? This was yesterday. So Washington, Washington's pro day, another Pac-12 team in there. You've seen plenty of these. So obviously the cornerback duo there, Trent McDuffie, um, he just did the broad jump and the vertical jump because I don't believe he did them at the combine. He got a 10-8 in his broad jump and a 38 and a half in his vertical. Pretty good results all told. Um... Kyler Gordon, um, he had a really good result. He ran an unofficial 3.84 seconds in the short shuttle. It's not been confirmed yet, but if that time is confirmed, it will be the third fastest short shuttle of all time. That's just how good that is. His athleticism has never been under question. He is incredibly gifted athletically. Um, he did a 39.5 inch vertical jump and a 10 foot 8 broad jump as well. Both, again, very good results. He excelled in the off-field drills. Um, Kyler Gordon really did his stock a lot of good yesterday because he had just started to slide a little bit. Yeah, they, they both had to because they're not big. We know they've got really short arms. The measurements for arms were not good, so the reach isn't there. The hands aren't great. So they're not strong physical corners. These are the kind of guys that could get bullied by bigger, stronger receivers. But in man coverage, they're very sticky. They're very elusive. And they've showed here that they can flip their hips incredibly quickly. They can change direction. And they've got some closing speed if guys get behind them. So that is where these two will rely on their athleticism to help them. Because they're both only like 5'10", 5'11". I'd say they're not heavy either bit skinny so there's there's stuff there but like you say the on-field drills showing their fluidity and then their uh, short sharp quickness in bursts really did them the world of good because these are in that middle pack of corners where it starts to get really dense like i said there's going to be a quick between rounds two and three you're probably going to see a lot of cornerbacks taken and these two will probably both have their name called yeah yeah agreed it's very tight in there so you know, these good pro days will have helped them out immensely. Um, another one from Washington, the tight end, Cade Otten. He might be a name that you know. He's still recovering from an ankle injury, so he was not able to take the field. I don't know whether he's going to work out before the draft. So we're going to have to see about that one. The other star of the Washington pro day doesn't even come from Washington. And we've been asked to talk about this guy and I know you know a little bit about him, so I'm just going to go through what he did, and then I'll hand the floor over. Idaho statewide receiver Tanner Connor, he went to the Washington Pro Day to participate there. Idaho State did not do their own. Um, he ran a 4.37 in the 40-yard 
dash. This guy is incredibly quick. And he recorded a vertical jump of 39 and a half inches, just slightly shy of the coveted 40 inch mark. And that, by all accounts, got one of the biggest reactions of the day from any player for anything. Um, he worked out as a wide receiver and a tight end during the on-field drill, so there's a bit of versatility there. Don't know which position necessarily you might use them at, but this guy is a potential day three steal when it comes to the wide receiver, or maybe even a tight end if you use him group there, but it was it's wonderful to see him go to that pro day and really be able to show out in front of all the NFL scouts, do his own draft stock, no end of good. Tight end, uh, I'm not seeing it because he's only like 6'2". He's got the, the good two, I think it's like two, two ten, fifteen, two twenty, something like that. So he's got a bit of weight behind him. But as an outside receiver, he is going to be someone that will be really good value. He's definitely going to go later, like I say, but he tracks the ball really well. Like I say, he's got nice, savvy, crisp route running. As I said, the footwork's pretty good as well. I've been to try find stuff on him. Like I say, Idaho State are not easy to find stuff on, but apparently he is. He looks good, and he's every bit the outside receiver and a potential X that you'd want from a small school guy. Like I say, athletically, he's really gifted. Like I say, he's got bouncy hips. He's got that good explosion. Like I say, nearly 40-inch vertical, which is impressive for any position. Like I say, he uses all that size, that length. He's got a good frame. So he's going to be someone that is probably going to get a lot of uh, those visits. People are going to probably use some uh, draft day visits on him, get him to meet him in. But like I say, the ceiling might be 6th, 7th. The floor could be undrafted. But he's going to be the kind of guy that will probably have a good chance of making a roster, if not maybe a practice squad. Like I say, I find it hard to believe if he wasn't on a roster next year or working out with someone. Because like I say, he'd be a really good scout guy. And I think you'd probably train him up to do something. Yeah, probably like your day three version of Christian Watson, I guess, isn't he? He's got that potential on the outside. He's got the speed, got the frame. Um, he's the guy you go after as a late round project. So, yeah, great again, great to see him be able to go to that pro day and be able to show out from one of the smaller schools and excited to see what the future holds for him. Um, Ken quickly asks in the chat, because we've been talking about tight ends, which tight end is thought of as the best blocker of this bunch? I mean... Immediately, I'd say James Mitchell, but he's had the injury. Um, James Mitchell, the Virginia Tech tight end. I had him at the start of this year when we were asked about tight ends. He was the guy I wanted, and then he got injured in the next game, and he didn't play again all season, which was a shame. But he is in the draft this year, and he's healthy now. So I think just pure out blocking-wise, for me, he's the best. I don't know whether you agree or disagree, Rai. Yeah, you can make a case for Mitchell. Uh, Jake Ferguson... He's a decent blocker. It's just everything else that he's got a problem with. I say everything else other than that he seems to struggle with. Uh, Daniel Bellinger, I think, has got decent blocking skills as well. And he's got a super athletic upside. I think out of uh, San Diego State. I, say, I think he's pretty good. So there's, I'd say there's more better blocking tight ends than there probably is superstar receiving tight ends. So there's some guys out there. Uh, Dolchich. Trey. Uh, Trey. So, so. Yeah. Trey McBride, yeah, he's a good blocker. He don't want to block, but he certainly will block when he's asked to. Like I said, there isn't nothing Trey McBride can't do. Like I said, because he ran a blazing 454 unofficial today, which just basically put him on a pedestal above everyone else. 
this guy is a mammoth he's a mountain too so that is ridiculously fast and i'm not like i'm not i'm not sort of dismissing him from getting drafted by us because i think dan campbell would i know everyone says dan campbell will love this guy and love that guy but this guy is a nasty blocker who gets really physical and is exactly the same style as probably what you'd say campbell was himself and he can receive as well so i think dan campbell will love trey mcbride and i think he'll be asking for him certainly earlier on don't know how high but i could see him wanting him absolutely for sure um, so yeah, that's everything in terms of the Washington Pro Day. We're getting through to the last few now. Wyoming was that day, obviously. Chad Moomer, everyone's talking about Chad Moomer, the linebacker at the minute. Um, he only needed one little bit of his resume filling in from the combine. That was his three cone. He did that in 6.75 seconds, which is pretty damn good, to be fair. Uh, did his positional drills, but his stock is at an all-time high now. Um, He's, he's, he's probably at the top of round two contention now, I guess, isn't he? He's, he's shown everything he needs to, and he's played really well in college. He's ticked all the boxes for watching scouts. There's no he can't do. He is going to be a, a starting Mike linebacker within a few years, and he will be snapped up in round two. He's him, Chanel, and uh, what's the other guy? Oh, there's Sam a group Lord, of them that are Sam all... Born. Zach Sanborn, yeah, they could all go. Between two and three, they will all be off the board. And I'd be pretty happy with any of them. Yeah. If any of them, at 66, I would take any of them. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. I'd take them all there as well. So, yeah, a lot of good linebacker talent to be had at 66, hopefully, providing they don't go start getting snaffled up early. And then finishing off yesterday and finishing off this week's Pro Day reviews, we were at West Virginia the running back, Leddy Brown, is the uh, the main light guy likely to get drafted there. He benched 18 times, 36 and a half inch vertical jump. Uh, two, God, I can't remember what that one is. He did a 4.21 shuttle. His three cone was 7.03. He had a really good day. And then North Carolina State, we uh, took a trip down there as well. Obviously, the uh, the main attraction there, Ikemifuna Ekwonu, as his full name is. He just did interviews. Um, he skipped all the training, in fact, except the bench press. He bench pressed 26 times. That's the only thing he did apart from interviews. Again, he just needed to fill that out. Um, so, great day for him. And the star of the show actually didn't come from North Carolina State. And you will have heard this guy mentioned before on our pod. Fayetteville State, the HBCU College. Uh, their cornerback, Joshua Williams, been getting a lot of love lately. Another guy who could potentially get drafted. Don't forget there were no HBCU players who got drafted last year. Uh, he could potentially be the first one drafted of all. Seen people mock him as high as round three. He ran a 4.48 in the 40. He had a 37-inch vertical jump, 10-foot-3 broad jump, 4.39 shuttle, 7.02 three-cone, and he bench-repped 11 times. There's, there's there's a lot of good HBCU talent out there this year, and who've really stood up and been noticed during these pro days, and, you know, against a lot of a lot of good players at North Carolina's pro day, so h- hard to stand out. State, sorry. Yeah, he picked a good, uh, he picked a good uh, pro day to go to. I think in the last two or three years, you've seen a lot of small school defensive backs do well get drafted, like Robert Rochelle, from that tiny central Arkansas, like say it was at Ramsley, took a punt on him in the sixth. I think you'd see the same kind of thing happen with this guy. I think when it gets to like the sixth round onwards, and you really want someone that's got the skills, the things, the tools, 
and he just needs coaching and he just needs better competition around him. Like he's the kind of guy you'd go for. He's played safety as well, so he's a general do it all defensive back. He will just play where you tell him. So you could you could see him at multiple positions there. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But yeah, I think some team's gonna pick him early and some team's gonna get a very good player out of him, but uh, yeah, it was absolutely great to see. Um, so that was everything for yesterday's Pro Days. As I said, I've not really gone through today yet, so we'll add that into next week. All I do know is that, well, as Ryan said, Trey McBride has killed his Pro Day at um, Columbia State. Colorado State. Colorado State, Columbia State. Yeah, Colorado State. He's killed it there. And I do know the Lions were one of a select few teams to go and watch the Navy Midshipman Pro Day where the hard-hitting linebacker Diego Fago is training. I'm actually quite encouraged by that. I do really want to draft him. I think there's only about eight teams who've gone to watch him, and I'm glad that we're one of them. He, he could potentially be a solid day two pick. And for me, I'd pick him that high. I know some people say he might be undrafted free agent, but I actually think he's really good. No, I think he, he's a solid option. Uh, Navy, Army... Air Force, they've all got good linebackers. And fair, if anyone else is working out, it's not school, you go to watch quarterbacks because they, they don't throw them all much. So he's really the only guy we're going to see. Like I said, there's not many other people that have any noise to anyone else because of their play style, which makes only certain plays stand out. But like I said, he's a long-time starter, very disciplined, big body. He plays in the box a lot. He is a hard hitter. He's a tackle machine. He's the kind of guy that can get you 10, 12 tackles a game. Forced fumbles as well. I'd say he's got a good nose for the ball. And he just got, I just, there's something about military personnel and those footballers that just do well. I'd say it doesn't always translate to the next level, but uh, Keenan Reynolds, he came out of Navy. He, he made it as an NFL wide receiver. There's been a few out there. There's a few and far between, but some of them about these military service academies and they can carve out a role themselves at the next level so there's no reason to be a go cat yeah absolutely and hopefully we get a good look at him and we'll see what happens there with him so that is everything in terms of the lions and the last week's worth of pro days when we come on next week this is the last real week of pro days so we'll round everything off in a nice little bow for you with the last few and maybe some of the players we've really enjoyed seeing and some who haven't done so well there um ken stowder in the youtube chat in fact, actually, I really appreciate you for this one. So he says, Fago is a local name brand of soda pop. Rock and rye, yum. I wondered why this, simply because I put this in the chat, in Twitter with someone earlier saying, how do you pronounce his name? I said we say Fago. I've not had a chance to really check Twitter while I've been doing this, but while I have been flicking across, I've just been seeing lots of pictures of soda bottles in my mentions, and I'm wondering what the hell I'm missing out on. But I think that, that explains it. Someone else must have uh, come up with that one as well. So appreciate you solving the mystery of why I've got a ton of soda bottles in my Twitter notifications. Thanks ever so much for that one there, Ken. <laughs> Do appreciate it. So yeah, that is everything for the Pro Days. Now we're going to finish off today's pod with a look at some of our favourite sleepers in the draft. Maybe those day two, day three guys you don't know too much about. Uh, we're going to send you some names forward 
possible guys to look forward to there. Um, we've done about four or five guys apiece. So I'm going to start with mine, then we'll just work our way through in a staggered formation with ours. The first guy I want to bring to attention, I really do like this guy. Maybe not a position of utter need but we need one later in the draft so this is cornerback and the guy I've gone for is Marcus Jones from Houston so he is 5'8", 174 pounds so obviously as the size goes he does not have elite size but this is a guy who's dominated as both an outside and a slot cornerback at Houston. You can play him really where you need to. He had 13 pass deflections. That was the eighth most in all of college football last year. He had five receptions last year as well. He's got 10 during his total collegiate career. Um, also played receiver last year as well. They uh, Houston had a little bit of a run of uh, injuries in the receiver column. He did uh, have to slot in there a bit. He had 10 passes. 10 catches for 109 yards and a touchdown. So he got himself an offensive touchdown as a cornerback. He's probably not going to do that much at the next level, but always good to have that in your back pocket if you need to. This position versatility is such a big thing now, especially if you're a late-round pick. You really are going to need that. He's probably going to be a slot cornerback in the NFL. He's got the quickness. He's got the toughness to play the position. But the big thing that gets up for him to start his career is his special team's ability. Obviously, at this level, you're going to need special teams. He's going to need time to be blooded in as a slot cornerback. His ability as a returner, he has got nine return touchdowns on special teams during his college career. He's been a kick returner. He's been a punt returner. He's got nine touchdowns, as well as an offensive touchdown. His average returns, 14 yards on punts, 28.4 yards on kicks. That's top 25 all-time productivity that you've had there in terms of your receiver he is one of the most dangerous return guys that has played in college he's going to give you immediate special teams upside as you blood him into being a slot cornerback he's going to take some time this is a guy who's really tough the height doesn't bother him he doesn't let it get in the way of his game his positioning gets there for him you know just sort of negates the issue of his size. He's one of the best, maybe, pure football players who's going to come in the class this year. And like I say, he's going to help you in all three phases of the game straight away. So Marcus Jones, the cornerback from Houston, keep an eye on him. We need a receiver. We need some more cornerback help. I would 100% go for him if the opportunity was there for me. Um, so, yeah, that is my first guy. Ryan, I'll pass over to you. Who's on your... Sleeper prospects for the NFL draft. This is my sleepy sleeper. This is my uh, this is my narcolepsy guy. Like I said, this is the one where that you don't know if he's going to get drafted at all. But it's Tyler Sneed. He is the product of East Carolina. He is a wide receiver. He clocks in at a, a miniature five foot seven, hundred and sixty five pounds. But don't let that fool you. This guy has just graduated as the fourth all-time in catches, 201 catches for 2,385 yards and 18 touchdowns in his career. He's just come off a year where he's had nearly 900 yards and uh, double, nearly double-digit touchdowns. Incredibly effective working out the slot. He's a really hard worker, but he also offers a big factor. 250 career point yards and 1,200 kick return yards across the four years and two touchdowns. This guy is going to be a dynamic receiver. And I think 
if someone doesn't overlook his size, where you're allowed small guys at the next level, I think you could see someone that will work their way as an undrafted guy and could be a part-time slot receiver at the next level, but making his bread and butter doing the dirty stuff and possibly taking a kick off to the to the house for a touchdown. I say he's a really hard worker. He's been really trusted as a key weapon in an offense that has been pretty productive. The Pirates for the last few years, I say. He was behind the likes of Blake Prohl and uh, Zay Flowers, who's in the NFL. They're two of the guys that headed him in their catches. So they've produced some good receiving talent. There's been good receivers that have come out of ECU. And this guy, even though he's got a little miniature stout figure, I think has got the athleticism. He's got a bit of speed about him as well. A nice root tree. He's able to get separation when he's working inside to out. Also able to beat guys downfield. Like if you put it in him and don't ask him to go up and get it too athletically, that he's able to secure it. And then he has just got a, a knack for finding holes, little crevices, and he's able to just gain yards after the catch as well. So he's a dynamic threat. If he doesn't make it as a receiver ever, it may very well just keep him around for his ability to return on special teams. But he could be someone that will definitely get picked up as undrafted because he's willing to come in and work on special teams. Absolutely. So starting off with a few good return options there. I like it. That's what you get when you come to some of these guys later on in the draft there. Love to see it. Um, just quickly going into the chat before we carry on. Depp Fanman goes, Red Pop and Rock and Rye are Detroit staple sodas. Um, I learnt about bacon butties yesterday. Yes, you did in the chat. I dig the info going back and forth here. Well, look at us all teaching each other about Detroit and UK cuisine, sending them forward. Send us, send us some more. We, we, we need to hear about all this because we are coming over for the draft, if not sooner. So we do want to, uh, we do want to discover what is good and what's to not, what's not so good over there. Uh, Ken Stouder says, Town Club has a very good Michigan cherry soda and a Honolulu blue cream soda. I really want to try that. I've seen that. Glass bottles, old school. I really want to try that. So if I'm ever over, save me a bottle. I'll have it there for you. Um, back to draft things, JC Superstar goes, really appears there is a lot of speed in this year's draft at a variety of positions. Yes. Yes, there is. People seem to be getting quicker and quicker every year. And, you know, we're all here for that. If you've got the skill to go with it as well, that's even better. So, yeah. Anyhow, moving on. My next guy in terms of sleepers in this year's draft. So, we were talking about Florida A&M earlier um, in terms of the HBCU schools. Um, this guy I've been quite high on since we started doing our um, our research into the scene when we were talking about the Combine and everything there. And this guy goes by the name of Keenan Forbes. Um, I've mentioned him before, if you listen to the podcast you will have heard me talk about him, so this may be a little bit of a re-go over, but he's the offensive guard there at Florida A&M, he's six foot two, 330 pounds, this is a big man who likes to truck people. Um, he has a ton of accolades from going through school, so he's been in the all-SWAC first team, he's been twice in the all-MIAC first team because the Florida, Florida A&M transferred divisions, so he's been an all-star in two divisions. He's a two-time All-American, the offensive line at Florida A&M. In the last two years, they've given up eight sacks in 11 games both seasons. This is how well he has performed there himself. He's only just given up the single sack there. And he had an incredible 92 knockdowns 
on the season. That's the amount of times he's sent opposition players tumbling down to the floor. It is a lot. This guy is a bruiser. This guy is nasty. This guy is exactly the type of thing you want at your guard position there. And Florida A&M's run game has been really good over the last few years of the ability of this offensive line to just completely and utterly dominate, of which he has been a part of. And for me, I do want a guard this year, but I want a developmental guard. I can train him behind Halabula Vartivaitai, not replace him. This guy is the exact type of prospect that you want there. He's going to come in. He's going to challenge right from the off. You're going to be able to develop him, nuance his game out a little bit, harness that violence into something that is translatable into the NFL. And, yeah, I just really, really like this guy. So if we're going offensive guard, probably getting right near the end of the draft, going to be a great player in my opinion and I'm really looking forward to seeing if we do get him but I really do just hope he gets drafted into all he does deserve an opportunity there so that's Keenan Forbes the offensive guard from Florida A&M Ryan who's next on your list of draft sleepers I've stayed close to home for this guy like say could say I've got a bit of bias but no I've gone for linebacker slash safety Darian Butler Arizona State Sun Devil 40 career games uh, he's a three-year captain. He was one of the first players for like last decade to be like an all-star and unanimously voted sophomore captain. 243 career tackles, 24 and a half tackles for loss. He's about six foot, six one, two twenty, so he's not the biggest. But this year he did have three interceptions, the only three interceptions of his career. And I think he could make a good safety at next level. I'd say he's a solid tackler. He tackles incredibly well. So I think he'll be one of those hybrid that flitters around between positions. He has had three workouts, so he has got NFL interest. I think the Bengals, uh, the Ravens and someone else have all brought him in. So he's garnering some interest in the later rounds there. But he's very experienced. He's incredibly tough to say he's a bit undersized there. Like I say, he's really getting stuck in at line of scrimmage. He's a missile that comes downhill. But he's got he's shown this year as well the ability to show that and then drop back into coverage. He has had some crucial performances, even in a rough year for us. He single-handedly won some games for us where he got those game-icing interceptions. But I think it's someone that will have a rollout as a rotational backer, maybe as a safety package in some teams that play multiple safeties. So there's going to be a slot for him there at the next level, and he's been really productive this year. I think he was at one of the balls, but I can't remember which one it was. It might have been Honolulu. I think he did get a ball invite to one of the lesser ones, but I can't remember which one. But yeah, he's been a long stalwart in the Pac-12, very experienced. He's had a bit of an injury this year, but that shouldn't affect him at all. He's fully fit now going forward. So um, um, he's going to be one of the real prospects that we're sending to the NFL this year. And I think he will get picked up in hopefully one of the later rounds. And I'd be willing to give him a go if he goes even further than that. Yeah, agreed. I uh, I do quite like him as a prospect as well, so yeah, I'm interested to see if we maybe maybe go in that direction as well. Right, just had a notification. Luke's going live in half an hour, so best hurry up before we lose all our listeners. <laughs> um, so yeah, my next guy um, going back into the FCS again, and actually I forgot this pro day. We were there. I can't remember why I didn't put this one in, but uh, the guy in question I'm talking about is linebacker James Houston from Jackson State. We did go down to Jackson State. We were one of the few teams there because we didn't get called out on national TV by Deion Sanders, who said to all the teams who didn't go, you're missing out on something special. And boy, oh boy, with this guy, 
you are missing something special. His pro day alone, he had a really, really good day there. He ran a 4.7 in the 40-yard dash, maybe not the fastest, but his game speed is a lot quicker there. He had a 39-inch vertical jump. He had a 10.5-foot broad jump. Um, some of the best numbers put up at the linebacker position this year. He was at the East-West Shrine Bowl as well. He uh, formed a very good partnership actually there with the uh, aforementioned Diego Fago. I was actually quite in awe of these two while they were playing there. They've had some insane stats they've put up through school. Houston's season has been nothing short of exemplary. He had 52 solo tackles, 18 assisted tackles, 24 and a half tackles for loss totaling 143 yards 16 and a half sacks totaling 117 yards of loss seven forced fumbles two fumble recoveries which he took back for 110 yards one of them was a touchdown it went about 90 yards in return he had an interception 10 quarterback hits this guy used to play for the florida gators didn't get his chance there joined dion Sanders at Jackson State and just absolutely seemed to take his opportunity there. He plays hard, he hits hard, he has absolutely dominated down in his division there. And, you know, if you're looking for a linebacker who can come in and just do a little bit of everything, specifically getting after running backs and getting after quarterbacks, this is one of the guys you want to go to. He's got a lot of talent. Again, just needs a little bit of refinement. And you're going to add him into a room and you're immediately going to notice him on the field he's got the fbs pedigree as we've said he was there he had to move away for opportunities florida's linebacker room is decent at times so it's not a knock on him really that he had to move but again this is another guy i really like a lot and i hope that we do take a good look well we did take a good look at him and i hope that he is under consideration maybe in those mid to later rounds so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to uh, seeing more james houston wherever he ends up I think he's an absolutely wonderful player. Um, Ken in the chat just goes, I wish you guys could show the player headshot with the college logo and the position you're talking about. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, we're going to... We will come up with something in future, Ken. <laughs> just this initially, we started this as the college pod. We don't have the, the expertise or the technical know-how to do all this yet. But over the summer, while we're refining things out, we'll uh, we'll get all this stuff there. And if we do some pre-recorded stuff as well, we can add in all that bits as well. So, yeah. Um, we will try though. But yeah, linebacker James Houston from Jackson State, really one to look out for in this draft. Ryan, who have you got next on your list? Uh, I've got one of the guys from Purdue. He's a, a running back slash fullback slash tight end slash do a bit of everything. That is Xander Horvath, who I thoroughly enjoyed watching this year. He's six foot three and 230 pounds. So he's a bit too big to be an every down back. Or, but it's a bit, he's a also, the fullback blocks incredibly well, and he catches balls, runs like a tight end. Ran a unofficial 457, which is pretty good for someone of his size and weight. He moves quite well. He did a monster 31 bench reps. That would have been one of the highest of the combine. And I've gone back. I watched the game live. I've watched it again. The Music City Bowl, where Purdue beat Tennessee in overtime, and he was really good. He blocks really well. He picks up blocks when they send the blitzers, and he is nasty. He gets right under them, and he slams them to the floor, protects his quarterback. He then moves out in line, can play as a tight end. He runs good ins and outs. But when you fake and when you like, you slip him out to the side and dump the ball off to him, there's one reception where he gets the ball, 
And he looks like he's going to be just get five tens. He's going for 20, 30 yards. He absolutely trucks. Once he gets up to speed, he runs a bit like a rhino in a straight line. He's incredibly hard to bring down. In uh, his career, he's got 11. He's had to share the ball with a lot of guys, including a guy called Anthrop this year, who's really good. But over his career, 1,100 rushing yards, 600 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns across three years. But I think at the role at next level, I think you could make him a tight end because he can already block really well because he's a fullback and a running back. His blocking is superb. He picks up stunts and blitzes really well and diffuses them and creates passing lanes for the quarterback. And then when he wants to, when he's asked to, he slips out. And it can be really quite shifty. He has got a big muscular frame. He's got a good size. Like I say, he's got good weight and strength. Like he's too big to be wasted at a running back fullback. I would certainly try and make him a tight end because I think he can learn to catch balls consistently at the next level. And he's so strong. I he had a really good year this year. I think Aidan O'Connell really likes him. And he's had some good standout performances this year in a good offence, I think. He's going to be someone that is a bit of a do-it-all now, but he could slip in the draft because he doesn't have that defined position. But I think you will get him on the field on Sundays. And I think he could make something happen. Yeah, I fully agreed. I mean, I saw him a lot at his pro day, and I mean, he killed it at his pro day as well, in fairness, for Penn State. He's one of the, um, not Penn, Purdue, sorry. I mean, he did, what, 31 on the bench press, so, I mean, bloody hell, you've got to be strong to do that. So, you're talking about the blocking, absolutely. He ran a 4.57 in the 40, 35 and a half vertical, 10.3 broad jump, 4.25 short shuttle. The guy's got short area speed, he's really strong, and like you say, he's, he's versatile at multiple positions. It's interesting to see where they put him at position-wise because then that affects his draft stock. But, like I say, if it's tight end, maybe it's fourth or fifth. If it's fullback, he might not get drafted. You never know. But, again, very interesting. I'd, I'd love this Purdue team from this year. It's a shame that these guys are going, but, you know, Aidan Connell's going to look good. And I must say, just going back to that, Aidan O'Connell looked really good throwing passes, didn't he? I think we're going to talk about him a lot more as a quarterback in the future, especially if we want one. Uh, yeah, he, he just looked incredible. Um, uh, yeah, so we've done. Uh, Ken says in the chat, "You guys rock and have come far." Well, look, Ken, we really appreciate that. This is like episode twenty-eight of this pod now. I remember when we first did it. I was so nervous about doing this pod, but now it just seems like a second nature. So, like we say, once the draft's done and we're through all that, and we start doing the stuff for next year, we'll revamp it up. We'll put some new bits and bobs in, and hopefully, it'll be even better. So. Yeah, we really appreciate you sticking with us for this. Um, right, it's my turn. Who have I got left? Um, oh, God, I'm going linebacker again, just because apparently I love sleeper linebackers this year. Um, this guy, and this is like a mystery to me, why he's fallen off the face of the planet when it comes to linebackers, but Owen Popo from Oban, we were talking about him at the start of the year, and he was up there in the linebacker conversation, and he is just almost dropped off a cliff and he's right down when it comes to where he's going to get drafted at now and it's 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 a weird one for me because I don't get it I just see a lot of everything to his game so you know his agility his quickness the lateral agility that he plays with is really good he's a good run defender he's really instinctive he does have a smaller frame but that means he's able to 
what, what they call it, go skinny through blocks when it comes to the offensive line. He can get into a backfield and attack a running back before he's able to hit the line of scrimmage there. He's able to drop into coverage pretty decently as well. This is an open defense that, for the most part, has been pretty good this year. And he's also an exceptional contributor when it comes to, comes to special teams. The tackling ability is there, the football IQ is there. Like I say, when it comes to the run, he's as competitively tough as they come and I, I really don't know where he's vanished to this year in terms of his draft stock but he's now firmly in sleeper territory and he's firmly in draftable and you're going to get a really good guy territory I mean yeah for me I, I, I just don't get it with him that's all I've really got to say um, I've talked about him a lot on the pods before don't know where his uh, stock has gone but yeah Owen Popo from Auburn not going to pick up a linebacker early go for him because I think he, he gives you a little bit of everything and like I say especially to start with the special teams upside he's a really good special team and he will come in and he will make your linebacker room better as well so yeah that is everything I've got for Owen Popo um, Ryan who's next on your list yeah uh, the guy going for last is the guy I think is most probably most uh, I don't know what the word is. I think he suits the Lions the most out of everyone. Like I say, I think he's uh, he's going to be very relevant. That is the free safety, Joy Blount, like I say, from the Virginia Cavaliers. Now, he's recently done his pro day, and he did really well. He came in and measured in at six foot one, 201 pounds. He ran an unofficial 438, which would have been one of the fastest at the Combine had he attended. So it was incredibly quick. He put up a solid 20 bench reps, which is good. And he had a 38.5-inch vertical, I think, as well. So that would have probably put him as a Raz well over nine, I think. Like I say, he, he's really good there. Like I say, he's very experienced to be in the Cavaliers. Four years, pretty much a starter. Now, I've read that he excels in schemes where you have two, three high safeties. He's played the single high on his own, but when you put him with a buddy like we would in our packages with Tracer, he does really well. He's got the above average athleticism moving side to side. He's a good, strong free safety. His coverage is really nice. The hips turn pretty well. He works well that's working through zones, picking up and dropping people. And his tackling in the box is at least something to be desired. I think that's why he's asleep and he might slide because the tackling and coming up in at the box is probably where he needs to work on the most. But as a coverage standout, if you're going to keep him at, put him as the one of the marshals at the back of the field and ask him to defend deep, I think that's where you'll get the best out of him. In 2019 and 2021, those are two years where he had 90-plus tackles. He also had three interceptions and a sack. One of those years was three and a half sacks. So those two years, sandwiched between years where he had like 50, 60, 70 tackles and like a sack and interception, he has been very productive as a long three, four-year starter. He's not been hampered too much by injury, and he worked in a scheme where they've been asked to play multiple positions. He has played nickel, so he can play slot corner if needs be, and he's got a good frame if he was asked to do it at the next level, so he's able to be moved around a little bit like a chess piece. He can play in the box at strong safety, but it's probably not where I want him. But as an actual free safety, if we're going to put a partner with Tracer, I think this is a guy you can get day two late, maybe early three, I say, because the box work and the tackle, the angles leave something to decide, but he's got work rate, he's got strength, he's got big bulky, he's got solid muscle on him. You saw on the pro day that he looks a physical specimen. He's very agile, he works well on a straight line, and 
he has got good special teams upside as well. So he's going to be to be able to play and contribute day one straight away down there, one of the fastest guys down the field. So I think he is someone that will interest the Lions. I think we might have been at Virginia. I'm not sure, but if not, I think he'd be someone I'd like to use an interview on. I'd like to speak to him because I think he is someone that is realistically someone we could be after in those late mid to late rounds as a safety, as a prospect. We like those safeties. And I think he's got that ultra athletic profile that we look for. So he's going to be someone that I would be very much interested in uh, having call our name. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you say, he had a wonderful pro day. Aside Jelani Woods, those two both smashed it out of the park. So, you know, fair play to them. I agree with that. And uh, yeah, we do need a safety. So we'll see what happens. In regards to safety, right, I'm about to jump onto my last guy now. So before I do, just for all of you in the Twitch and the YouTube chat, and there's been a lot of you this evening, I thank you very much for that. If you have any final questions you want to ask me and Ryan draft-related, lines-related, before we get off the air, just get dropping them in there now. And when I've done this final player review, we will get to them, and then we will uh, finish for the day. So Ryan finishes with a safety. I finish with a safety. You thought that you wouldn't hear his name today. Well, you should know me better than that. I get my draft crushers. I stick with my draft crushers and I back them all the way to the end. Of course, I'm talking about safety. Of course, I'm talking about Reed Blankenship from Middle Tennessee. I love this player and I really want to draft him. He's been in college for five years now. He's been an absolute unit for the Middle Tennessee State defense. His entire career, he's got 265 solo tackles, 154 assisted tackles, making 419 altogether. He's got 26 and a half tackles for loss. Three sacks, nine interceptions. He's returned for 150 yards. He's got a couple of touchdowns with that as well. 19 passes defended, four fumble recoveries, one touchdown from a fumble recovery, and three forced fumbles as well. There is not a great deal that this guy can't do. He was on the Feldman's freak list for ridiculously gifted athletes. He is like an energizer bunny when it comes to the field. He is just here, there, and everywhere. He's got a motor probably better than most of the guys in this draft. Full stop. Um, I just love everything about him. In the East-West Shrine Bowl, he really shined in that. You saw him on his first week of training there. He's just so good in coverage. He's got the speed, the pursuit skills. You want to see him chasing down running backs who are trying to reach the perimeter. He is so quick over a short area, and he's really effective when it comes to the run game, or if people are going to bring him up and they're going to blitz him after a quarterback Um I say they've got the speed, you've got the pursuit, you've got the physicality of the guy, you've got the communication. He's a leader on that defense. He helps set that defense up right from the back. Um, and also, along with all this, he's a core special teamer. You use him on all aspects of special teams. He's going to contribute to you straight away. He's even done some slot work as well, playing at corner. The reason he's a day three draft pick is because he has had injury issues in the past, which were a bit of a red flag with him. But safe to say he's had a fully healthy year this year and he has put those behind him now. He's just one of those who's, I would say, been forgotten about a little bit. Um, and I don't really know why, because this guy is so athletically gifted. Just 
This is in the ball hawk range. You see Kyle Hamilton's catch against FSU. He's capable of doing something like that. He's got the short area speed with him. He's he's probably the day three version of Kyle Hamilton, if I'm going to put anything like that. Because he just does a little bit of everything really damn well. He just needs a bit of coaching to take it to the next level. But he's immediate special team. You're going to bring him through into a safety room where we need starters. Um, I just absolutely love everything about him. So, yeah. Reed Blankenship, the safety from Middle Tennessee. I'm going to bang on and on about him in this last month until we do draft him. So, hopefully, we get to that point where we are able to do so. But, yeah, he's my draft crush, and I'm not going not gonna to make any qualms about that there. So, yeah, that is a list of some of the draft sleeper prospects there from me and Ryan. Hopefully go and check some of these guys out. Give them a little bit of love. Find some more targets for the later rounds of your mock draft. Um, oh yeah, I knew this would get mentioned. Ken goes, do you think we may get him after the draft? He's currently ranked at number 303. Maybe, but I want to spend a pick on him. I honestly think he's that good. Go and check some of his tape. He's, he's just he's really good. He's really experienced. He's a leader on the defense. Like I say, athletically, he's got everything you need. It's just some technique he needs working out with. But it's all there. It just needs molding into a great player. And I firmly believe he is going to be a damn good player. And I'm going to land on him like last year, unlike Richie Grant, who went and did nothing with the Falcons. Reed's going to be different this year. I've got a safety crush, and this year he's, he's going to come through for me. He just... Absolutely has to. Um, so yeah, that's really just about everything from us this week. Ryan, is there anything else you want to add in before we start rounding this one up? I would have mentioned Sterling Weatherford, but because of a really good pro day, he's not a sleeper anymore. People are talking about him now. I'd say I think people have genuinely got good interest in him. I'd say as a linebacker and a safety, so I don't think I can call him a sleeper anymore because I think he's definitely going to be drafted. So. If you hear that, Tim, his dad likes my tweets a lot, like say, so we've got good faith in your boy. If he does get picked up the Wild Lions, like say, we're going to get him on the podcast. I'll reach out to his dad, tell him to come on, we'll interview him. But yeah, he's my crush, but he's garnering a bit of attention now, which I don't like. To be honest, I, th I think you're doing yourself a disservice here. I think you've been like the one-man army that's led the movement for him. You mentioned him the very first time we did safety prospects at the start of this season. He was the one. He was the sleeper. And you've mentioned him so much this year. I wouldn't be surprised if it's you who was subconsciously drawn this movement forward. Just like, you know, by the power of you. So, you know, that's that's how much you've had an influence on him there. But yeah, you were absolutely right as well. He was your sleeper of the season. And look at him. He's coming out of nowhere. And he's probably potentially going to get drafted really damn high. So well done. Um, with that one, so yeah, that is just about everything for us today. Um, I can't find any questions in Twitch or YouTube that we have not already answered. Let me just double check. No, that is just about everything. So thank you to every single one of you who's joined us on YouTube and Twitch. Again, we really appreciate all the, uh, the chatter with you, all the contributions there. It's ever so much fun. We're really enjoying doing this, and it's just going to get better and better. So thank you for that. Oh, Ken just quickly says, I think we get a safety early. Use a late rounder on offensive tackle, quarterback, or halfback, but go figure. You know, I could. I want to spend a late one on a quarterback, late one on a safety, late one on a tackle. I think I'm fully, fully in agreement with you there. Um, just in terms of the next shows for the podcast, so obviously you've had us three times this week. Next week's schedule has changed ever so slightly, so usually we record on the Monday. We will be recording on the Tuesday 
next week. So that's Tuesday the 5th of April. And the reason that we are doing that is because we have ourselves another guest this week. And this guest just so happens to like to talk about quarterbacks in the draft. We have got him on now, so I assume I can announce this because we haven't done so just yet. But for our quarterback prospects 2022 NFL draft show next Tuesday, we will be joined by none other than Ryan Matthews of Pride of Detroit. Obviously, we just had Eric on with us this week. We're going to get Ryan on with us next week. Ryan, obviously, he's uh, very big on the Malik Willis at two train, and he's about to enter a very hostile atmosphere where we're about to tell him the right way to go about this draft, and that is not drafting Malik Willis at two. So join us for that. That is going to be a lot of fun there. Like I say, we're going to be chatting with him about his career, about his work apart, and then he's going to join in our quarterback prospects chatter. I'm going to be doing some of the late round guys. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then obviously myself and Ryan, we are going to be back in a week on Wednesday, the 6th of April. We will be rounding out the end of the pro day scene. So obviously most of the pro days are done by Friday. There's a few that go on after that, but nothing major. So we'll finish off what we haven't done so far. We'll have a look at the pro day scene as a whole on the whole and then... Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do some mock drafts. Maybe we'll do some more player reviews. I don't know. We'll f we'll figure something. If you've got any ideas, just drop them to us on Twitter or wherever, and we'll uh, we'll uh, crack on with that for you. So um, yeah, all that remains for me to do now is go through our socials, and then that is us for the week. Unless I say, is there anything else left you want to mention, Rye, while we're here? Mm, nope. It's it's nearly mock draft season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think we let, let's do one next week. We'll, we'll do one next week for uh, we'll get our early ones out. There's less than a month to go, so yeah, we'll go do mock drafts next week. So come join us for mock drafts as well as the finish of the pro day scene. That's that's going to be good fun. But I'm just really looking forward to this draft. It cannot come quick enough. Um, <laughs> all the mock drafts have come and gone. Let's get it done. Anyhow, like I say. Our socials, you can find us all over the internet. So, YouTube, I mean, you're already watching this now, but Roar of the Lions UK. Twitch, you can find us, ROTL underscore UK. Thanks to all those who listen to us on Twitch and to all those who subscribed. We read the list out at the beginning, but again, we appreciate all of you who uh, help us through Twitch. If you've got an Amazon Prime subscription, you've got a spare Twitch sub you don't use, please send it our way. We would really appreciate that. It does help us out just that little bit. Um, and yeah. Just uh, give us a listen while you're on there. In terms of Facebook, you can find us Roar of the Lions UK, our Facebook page, and then our Facebook group is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. Twitter, you can find us at ROTL underscore UK. We've just passed 2,000 followers. We're the first Detroit Lions UK page to go over 2,000 followers on there. So thank you to all of you who do so. We are really trying our best to grow the pride over here and all your support is appreciated. Instagram, you can find us at ROTL underscore UK. Our website, you can find us www.roaroftheliontuk.com. Got all sorts of articles and whatnot coming out on there. So uh, keep an eye on for us there. And then you can also find us in our Discord group. If you've got Discord, you're not in our group yet. Come and have a chat with us. It's ever so much fun. We were talking about bacon butties and stuff, amongst other things the other day. But we do talk Detroit Lions as well. So do come in, have a chat with us. Just drop us a message on Twitter. We'll send you a link and you can join. But, uh, yeah, 
that is just about everything. David Reinfurt says thank you in the Twitch chat. Thank you, David, for joining us. We really appreciate the sub. We really appreciate you coming in and listening to us. It honestly does make it so much worthwhile when we have people in here with us. So thank you very much for that, sir. Thank you to everyone in the YouTube chatter. Ken is in there. Really appreciate you. We've seen Chrome. We've seen Depp Fan Man. Joey two times been in there. JC Superstar been in there all night. Thank you very much for that. Ken just finishes off with, for far too long, the Lions' best season has been the off-season. Time for that to change. Absolutely agreed. This is going to be a great off-season. Then we're going to go and kick the Bears' ass next year. And we are not going to finish bottom. I can tell you that now. The Bears are finishing bottom. Cause they're fucking awful. But anyhow, <laughs> I digress. Thanks to everybody. We will see you again very, very soon. Appreciate you all. Until next time, you'll find us on Tuesday with Ryan Matthews of Pride of Detroit. But until then, one pride. One pride.